shall we play a game? Oh. <laughs> I think I missed them. Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. Love to. How about global thermonuclear war? Wouldn't you prefer a good game, all chefs? <laughs> Later. Let's play global thermonuclear war. Fine. <laughs> all right. Which side do you want? I'll be the Russians. <laughs> List primary targets. Who should we do first? Um, oh, let's see. How about Las Vegas? Las Vegas? Great. What next? Seattle! Yeah! <laughs> Five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of April in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. If you would like to join us today, it's honestly just this simple. So easy, a child could do it. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you go to rickemerson.com, by the way, you'll see a great photograph that somebody sent to me. And there was no... It was one of those emails that I got uh, that was sent from somebody's phone. So I don't know I don't know who sent it. Just some guy. Uh, something that apparently was taken in the bathroom at the Tonic. Uh, one of Portland's uh, premier watering holes. Uh, and it just says, it's like written on the bathroom wall in this big scroll, and it says, for a good time, call 503-733-2970. So thank you to whoever did that. Um, <coughs> pardon me. That is our uh, telephone number. It's 503-733-2970. This and every day for your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, uh, what have you. Richie Bristol is standing by. ready. Richie Bristol, who is multitasking four different things right now. A... Um, he's editing down some sort of show content. I heard him doing some kind of audio editing. B, he's got the call screening software up. C, he's looking at hot Asian ladies via South Sea Connection. And then D, he's looking at, again, hot Asian ladies on his MySpace account. So he's got four different windows open. And he's in there just being like radio slash smut bot uh, this morning. So, anyways, 503 733 2970, Richie Bristol there, ready to uh, pass along your observations about whatever might be on your brain today. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Unless we forget, today is National Webmaster Day. Uh, and if you walk anywhere in CBS Radio Portland today, you will see the little placards and banners and signs and posters and cards and geegaws and whatnot uh, up everywhere. So we want to take this opportunity, and we'll do this throughout the day, to thank uh, Bridget from upstairs. We love you, Bridget. Who is our webmistress and makes all good electronic things uh, possible. Uh, you know, from the, She also obviously manages the website, and if you saw the website, 
two years ago, and then six months ago, and then within the last 30 days. You know how much work she's done overhauling and revamping and making it look fantastic. So, uh, so Bridget maintains the website. She maintains and manages all the stuff having to do with the Glorious Bastards. Uh, she handles all the new Glorious Bastard reg- registrations. Uh, she does the Glorious Bastard of the Week. When Terry from the street team and I go out on Wednesdays and we go door-to-door and thank people for listening, she pulls all that information. She handles all of the prize uh, allocation and distribution. Um, she oversees the podcasts. She was largely responsible for putting together uh, the streaming along with Brian Jones. So really, anything that involves the station website, anything that involves any sort of uh, ones or zeros uh, in this program, uh, Bridget from upstairs uh, is responsible uh, for that. Uh, you know, anytime that there's a poll or voting on something, or whether you're looking at a photo gallery of spam sculpting submissions or the photo gallery of all the listener party uh, artwork submissions, uh, Bridget does all of that. So... Uh, Anyway, so today is National Webmaster Day, and we know, as Susan Reynolds noted, there's probably any number of webmasters who listen to us uh, as well. Uh, so if you are hunched behind a keyboard somewhere, uh, clattering away, uh, we salute you today and every day. It's 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up in today's program. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us today, uh, largely because I want to talk about this, this Supreme Court thing well, because I just like talking to Lisa, but there's this Supreme Court thing about the voter ID and Indiana, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a whole it's a whole kerfuffle. It's a thing inside a thing. We're also going to talk to Steve Kastenbaum today about that woman whose name I don't even remember. Who's the Elliot Spitzer hooker? Boy, it's funny. She's, the, she's another person she's like... She's no Monica Lewinsky. Like Tazon Day that we've just dumped by the side of the pop culture road before speeding away. I don't even remember her name now. I don't either. Well, whatever it is, the the New York hooker. So well, I now guess... that Disney's supplying all these loose young women, nobody can remember their names. <laughs> we're we're all watching horrors, Tim. Um, I guess so. Anyway, so she's suing Girls Gone Wild because I guess that's what you do when people quit buying your bad music on MySpace. So we'll talk to Steve Kastenbaum about that later on. Uh, more Miley Cyrus fallout, and here's something that it was. This was pointed out to me yesterday, and I hadn't really realized it. Reflecting, I now see that we spent about seven minutes doing the build-up to that Austrian story yesterday, which we then never actually talked about. But that's just a regular day, really. I suppose. Uh, but we did a whole thing at the beginning of yesterday's show, a whole overture mm-hmm. about that insane, creepy, weird sex house dungeon story we didn't in Austria anything, uh, that we then never even talked about. So now that there's a, been, oh, it, I never, yeah, I never even heard. Did you about never that even? Thing. Okay, so I you know there was a sex house you, dungeon. You don't know story. the story then? No. Okay, I, I I now beseech you. We will get to it today. Please don't go researching the story on your own if you haven't heard it. If you don't know the story we're talking about. Wait for Tim and I to reveal it because it's that's you know ruin the surprise. (laughs) Really, all the Christmas gifts will disappear if you open up that door. It's like some sort of horrible news-filled pinata that you know that you don't want to do it the day before. You want to wait until you know wait until you're actually at the party. So we'll have that story later on today. Today it's an even more impressive story because in addition to photographs of said sex dungeon, there's now a map. Did you see the skip like the blueprint of the house? Oh yeah, dude. It's like full-on creepy. Do they have pictures, or is it just... There's like, pictures, but then equally... Just way to the sex dungeon. There's, There are pictures of... And say, calling it a sex dungeon doesn't really do it justice. Because when you say sex dungeon, you sort of think... It's a rave. That's exactly right. You pick And it some, wasn't really. Like a... <laughs> it was a one-person rave. Um... You, when you say sex dungeon, you just sort of picture like a fat woman with a riding crop and fishnets and a guy on his knees saying, I'm a bad little doggy. That's not really what this was. 
Um, so there's photographs of the basement of the house, and then it was like those old things they used to show in the 70s where it was like the map of King, King Tut's catacombs or whatever. Um, anyway, it, we'll talk more about it later on because it's such an amazingly overwhelming story that I can't even really do it justice here. So we'll talk about it later on. So Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us. Lisa Desjardins, uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Another installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard. I'm going to kind of uh, go through this opening a little more quickly than we normally do because we've got kind of a special guest coming up here in about five or six uh, minutes. We'll talk more about that in a second. Already phone calls coming in, so we'll get to those. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. Shots are fired during a bank robbery in the Cove this morning. A 13-year-old Salem girl is arrested for murder. The Beaverton dad doing time for forcing kids to shoplift has died in prison. One Portland school is telling students, shave your eyebrows or get out. <laughs> Hillary will appear for the first time on Fox with Bill O'Reilly. The National Press Club claims they were approached by the Reverend Wright to speak uh, two years ago. They're trying to get out of this, uh, this rumor that... Uh, apparently, one of Hillary's followers booked him in there. Another dead celebrity sex tape is about to release. This time, it's Jimi Hendrix with two white women. And Richard Crest is now in rehab. Uh, by the way, our news today is brought to you by Fox News. Believe it or not, catch all the latest and hottest news stories tonight on Fox at 10. Well done, Tim Riley. Fantastic. Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Why, hello. How are you today? Oh, very, very well. All right, so let's talk about last night let's and how great it. it was. It was so awesome. So last night was the swell season, which, uh, and I just kept calling it the once uh, concert because that's sort of where most people know it from, including myself, and it was... Uh, Glenn Hansard and Marketa Erglova. Erglova, yeah. Uh, and they are the couple that starred in and did the music for the movie once, which uh, won an Academy Award. And how glad are you that that Enchanted movie didn't win anything? Just last night. I just remember was... the hor like the horribleness of that girl dancing around a grown woman singing that Disney song at the Oscars. About cleaning a kitchen. Oh man. Uh, as they were playing Falling Slowly last night at the Keller, that was I leaned over to Laura and I said, and I'm like, I'm so glad that Enchanted movie didn't win anything. <laughs> uh, so it was a really exceptional I show. I he said before uh, he played Falling Slowly, too. He talked about play. He went to play Falling Slowly, which is their big uh, hit, and uh, again, won an Academy Award for Best Song for a Motion Picture. And he talked about how when you're a kid and you're playing ball, he said you just want to be able to kick the ball to the end of the garden and back. And he said that sometimes you kick the ball and it goes over the wall and over the house and down the street and around the world, and you're simultaneously glad and impressed, but at the same time you sort of want the ball back. Uh, which which makes perfect sense as he gets ready to play like the sort of the big hit single. I'm also really impressed that they didn't shove the big single to the end like most mm -hmm. bands do, that they played it about halfway through. And, you know, I would say this up until almost the very end, virtually no one left. I mean, it was a full house uh, up until the very final song. And it was just, it was And really the violin solo, um, what was that, Blue Shoes or whatever yeah. it was called? That was beautiful. It was just, and it was, it, so it was him and Marketa Erglova, and then the great thing was, it was apparently, I think it was a couple of the guys who were in The Frames, which is his other band, and then some guys. Who from the movie, too? The guy who was the bass player in the back? I recognized him. And then the other guy that came out, that Liam guy, who was, I guess, as he said, some like a busker from sort of back in the day in Ireland, that he had just, a guy that he met way back when and just sort of kept kept with him, which was, it was, it was really exceptional. So if you were there uh, at the Keller last night and you saw the Swell Season uh, concert, it was really quite amazing. Uh, we met a few listeners last night as well, so I want to say hello to uh, to Jesse and to Dave. 
who I met. Uh, we ran into our good friend Amy Faust as well. That was cool. Looking fantastic, I, I might a add. listener named Mike yesterday, too, so hello, Mike. Uh, Sarah Wagner was kind enough, because Sarah Wagner, who had everybody here at CBS Radio to one degree or another, was sort of aware of the movie, and then a bunch of people were there last night. Susan Reynolds was there with the whole Reynolds Paddock clan. Paddock was there. Chris Paddock was there. Uh, Dennis Constantine. I didn't see Susan Reynolds. I didn't know she was there. She was there. Uh, she and her uh, and her husband and the kids uh, were all there. I ran into her afterward. Awesome. Dennis Constantine from King wasn't able to go at the last minute. He uh, he and his wife had some prior engagements, so they weren't able to go. So he gave Sarah Wagner his fifth row seats. And so I got, A, an email yesterday afternoon saying, yeah, I guess I won't be seeing you since I'll be down in the fifth row. I then got a text message halfway through the concert from Sarah Wagner saying, hey, the, uh, the, the view sure is great here from the fifth row. How is it back where you are? Oh. And then I came in this morning and there was a post-it note on my office door saying, that was an exceptionally great show last night, especially from my vantage point in the fifth row. So... So wow. thank you, Sarah you know, Wagner. that was one of those shows where I don't even care. Like, at least I got. Was, I just wanted to be in the same room with that beautiful music. It was fantastic. It really was. And and, uh, and it needs to, I wish they would have played in a smaller venue, though. Well, I guess Heather they played the Aladdin normally, is what Heather he said. and I were discussing that. Where it's like, why didn't they play two shows but in a smaller venue? You know, like, uh, back to back. Because it just seemed too big for how intimate that music is. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I've been on a really good roll with shows lately. Because I saw Roger Klein on Saturday, who was always exceptional. And... Roger Klein was at the Roseland, but the last time he was here, he did two shows at Bravati's instead. Mm-hmm. And Laura and I went to both of those. And I have to say that I do prefer. I mean, you know, you know, you're always glad when somebody can be in a, a larger venue. Uh, but it was it was more enjoyable, I think, to see him two nights in a row in a smaller venue. But it was great. It was just such an exceptional uh, show. So, but but here's the thing we have to talk about in terms of last night. So if you were at the Keller last night. The most amazing thing happened about three quarters of the way through the evening. So Glenn Hansard, who again at this point, I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily a superstar, but I mean, he packed out the Keller, which holds what is it, fifteen hundred people probably, seventeen. I mean, it, it was just full of I don't know, so many millions a lot of, people. of people. And I mean, he's an Academy Award-winning songwriter and so forth. At one point, he's doing the show last night. And he's telling the story about uh, how he was apparently walking around downtown Portland before the show started. And he, uh, and I'm not going to try to do his like Irish accent or whatever, but he's just like, well, we were, you know, he's like Marquette and I were walking around before the show and we went down to a coffee. He's just like the most charming bastard in the world. He has the best between stage song banter. Wow. Uh, the his his sort of patter between shows was was really really great and off the cuff and just he would sort of lose lose his way and just sort of kind of forget where he was going with some of the stories, but. At about three quarters of the way through the show last night, he is talking about how before the gig they were sort of walking around on the streets and they were they went into a coffee shop. Uh, they went into a Seattle's Best, and as he goes into the Seattle's Best, as he's telling the story, he runs into a young man who is a big fan of the Frames and a big fan of Swell Season. And yeah, just Sandy's a story in general. And yeah, and it was just a musician. It was just a huge fan of music. And he goes, and he, he, he had written the guy's name down on the back of his hand. And he goes, so yeah, so I ran into a young man named Joseph. And Joseph, you know, he was a big fan of music and a big fan of the band and really just a great guy. And he was really wonderful. And everybody sort of applauds. And then he does the most exceptional thing. He says, "Hey, Joseph, are are you here? Can you, you know, are you are you in the are you in the venue?" And here I'm doing the stupid accent, but he said, "Are you in the venue?" Mm-hmm. And you hear the, the Joseph guy <laughs> kind of in the back and go, "I'm up here in the balcony." <laughs> and then he says the greatest thing. He just says, "Well, do you want to come down and sing a song?" And there was that moment of silence where everybody you're taking a minute to process it, and then everybody it. and then everybody cheers. 
That and was then, so magical. And then you see the Joseph guy running, I think, from the balcony, down the stairs, down the aisle, up onto the stage. Uh, Have you ever seen the movie Never Been Kissed? No, no, I Okay, because it reminded me of, at the end when the guy's running down the, um, there's this part where he's running down the stand to, like, meet Drew Barrymore in the middle of this baseball field. That was exactly what it reminded me of, and everyone's starting to stand and cheer. It was... Just like last night. And so here comes this Joseph guy down the aisle, up onto the stage. They bring him up, and I don't know how old he is. I mean, I would guess he was in his late teens. Um, I might be wrong about that. As I get older, I find it's very difficult to tell the age of anybody. Um, and I see 21-year-olds at the bar. I'm like, you look too young to be here. Everybody you meet looks 15. <laughs> um, but I will tell you this. I would say he's probably no more than 20, 21. That would be my guess. And he gets up there with the band, and you can tell that they don't really know what they're going to play. And so Glenn says, well, you know, what, what do you want to play? And, they, and Joseph settles on, Brandy, you're a fine girl, <laughs> by Looking Glass. Which oh, is so cute. Which is sort of like, I'll take WTF for a thousand, because at no point did I expect that to be the song. And I don't think the band knew it. They didn't. They, they like, taught themselves as he was singing. They did a pretty great job of sort of freestyling it. But so there's Joseph singing, Brandy, you're a fine girl. It was just like the most surreal thing. So here I am in Portland. There's a kid who, to my eyes, looks like he's about five years old, singing, Brandy, you're a fine girl. And meanwhile, this band from Ireland is freestyling the arrangement with him. And he and he nailed it, man. It was exceptional. He had a really um, good voice. So let's see. I think is this. Uh, so let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show, Joseph Workman. Hello, sir. Hi. How are you, my friend? I'm sorry. Uh, if if you don't mind me asking this question, how old are you? I'm 16. 16. No way. All right. Well, see, I don't feel so bad about it then, because as I said, with every passing year, I find it more and more difficult to discern the ages of people younger than myself. Okay. So you are 16, so you are you're a, you were a fan of the frames, and you're a fan of these guys, obviously. How how tell if you can the story of running into Glenn on the street yesterday, sort of before the show. Okay, well, it's it's kind of an amazing story because uh, uh, my my friend who got the tickets, uh, she got like one of like the, one of the last tickets. Like she tried to get three tickets, no deals. Tried to get two tickets and got a deal, and uh, I was like the only other person she knew who like. You know, really lo- love these guys, right. and uh, so so we got we got to the place a bit early, and uh, she, she she was like, uh, "Should we go inside?" And I was like, "No, let's let's go around and try to find some coffee or something. We have some time." And so turn the corner, and then they're just like right there, and just walking down the street. Oh my and god! <laughs> so uh, she really wants to go say hi to them, and so she's like dragging me along, and and so we basically like stalked them for like five blocks. Excellent. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really bad about it, and I was, I was, you know, like I almost like went out and uh, never went up to them. But then it's just like, Joseph, you're never gonna forgive yourself if you don't go up and sit, like, like just say hi to them or right, anything. Right, right. So I just ran up to them and uh, just told them like how much, uh, like they've inspired me, like you know, to get into music and to, uh, like I've, I'm usually very shy about performing and stuff, but uh, I just found it really inspiring, like how. They started from like such a humble, you know, means. I mean, well, legitimately uh, grassroots. Yeah, they built it from yeah. the ground up. Yeah, and like how they've stayed like humble, like this, like despite like you know, their huge name now, and that just that just really, that's really cool. I think that's really cool. And so, uh, talked to him for a while. Uh, told him it was my first concert, and it was your uh, first concert. Yeah, it was my first concert. Oh Dude. my god! So wait, let me understand this. So at the very first concert you ever you have ever gone to in your life, not only do you go, not only is it a band you love, but then you actually get pulled up on stage 
Really, uh, let me just tell you this. At this point, uh, it's all going to be downhill. Let me just say, in terms of concert yeah, no going, kidding. really, until yeah. you yourself are the headliner, this is going to be your high-water concert experience. So, okay, so you so we you go to the venue, the, the, the show happens. What When he said your name on stage, when he was talking about meeting you, did it take you a second to figure out he was actually talking about you? Well, see, first he got he got my name wrong. He said uh, he was like Paul, mm-hmm. and then uh, like, uh, oh, it must not be me. It must be somebody else. But then like the, I just kept going, like, well, that's that's probably me. And I mumble a lot, so uh, <laughs> probably got that wrong from that. I mean, I, I can hardly understand what he what they're saying sometimes. Right, but, right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, then I just figured it was me. And then like I should have asked him like when I got up there, you were talking about me, right? <laughs> That would have been embarrassing. Because uh, there was the moment where he said, because he said, you know, where are you? And you, you were, were you up in the balcony? Yeah, I was, I was up in the top balcony and the way, way back. So you're way, way in the back <laughs> in the nosebleed seats. I mean, it really is almost so good that it seems scripted, but you're way in the back. And we kind of, down where I was with my wife, we kind of heard you going like, um, hello, I'm up here. And he just said, well, do you want to come down and sing a song with us then? And what, I mean, if you can even explain it, what goes through your head when he says that? I don't know. I was just kind of, my friend just grabbed me and, like, threw me out of my seat. And then <laughs> I just kind of, like, floated down the stairs, like, at top speed and uh, just went up there. I mean, like, how can you, I mean, despite whatever, like, self-consciousness I have or anything, how can you, like, pass something like oh, that? Oh, you got to do it. So tell me about picking Brandy by Looking Glass uh, to sing. <laughs> what What is that about? I've always loved that song. Uh, <laughs> and I'm also... Uh, at our school, like we're having like this uh, open mic night thing, and uh, some of my friends and I were going to play that song, and so I know that song pretty well, and uh, I've always loved it, and I, I love singing it. So I, I got to tell you, really, this is one of the best compliments I could give you. Is a not only do you have a great voice, you nailed the song. It was an unconventional song selection. I don't think anybody, if you had done a straw poll before and about like what song will this guy be picking to sing, that would have come in like dead effing last. This is just no way. Um, but the the greatest thing for me is at the band clearly didn't know the song. I know uh, that was amazing. I, I, man, I just like they just started playing with it and uh, yeah, it was amazing. So they're following along as best they can. There comes a point about three quarters of the way through, I think, after like the bridge or one of the choruses or whatever, and the the band sort of has lost the thread of what they're doing, and you're sort of singing. But I got to tell you, you. Uh, you were just unflappable. There was a moment where you could tell they were kind of looking at each other, trying to figure out like what chord to go to and what what was the progression. And you just stayed with it. You didn't flinch. You didn't bend. You just went all the way through to the end, and you nailed it and you sold it. So um, anyway, you did an amazing job. And you were charming, and your voice is really good. And it was just you just did such a great job up there. And so yeah, you radiated uh, confidence really uh, beyond your years and perhaps beyond your experience. So you've got good things ahead of you, Joseph. Um, Thanks. Before we go here, uh, I know you got to get back to class. Um, do you have uh, MySpace, a web page, anything? Are you in a band? Anything you need to plug? Uh, we don't like have like an official site or anything. Uh, and our band doesn't even really have a name. We're probably gonna have to work on that now. <laughs> well, so you, I get cracking, sir, because uh, music stardom seems to be awaiting you. Yeah, you need to start whoring yourself out to local media outlets around town. Yeah. <laughs> I, Seriously, like, take grab, seize the seize the moment. Yeah, this is this is your time. This is the first uh, step of that ladder, my friend. So uh, I would uh, I would be uh, yeah, just uh, 
best best of luck to you and best of continued success. And you uh, you were fantastic last night. So uh, thank, thank you for you sharing so a few much. moments with us. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity. All right, hey, it's always good to talk to somebody who uh, who loves music, my friend. So you have a great day. Thank you, Joseph. All right, you too. All right, All there right. you go. That is Joseph uh, Workman, ladies and gentlemen. That uh, was the did you, when everyone just shot out of their seats for a standing ovation after he was done. I should have awesome. asked him about that too. What it was like. I mean, and especially his first concert ever. What was your first concert? Your first real concert that you chose to go to? New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. What was we talked first, about this at the, uh, at the Kingdom. What was your first? Uh, what was your first concert after the age of sixteen? Your first sort of like adolescent. Probably like face to face. All right. I'm sure at some point. I, I think I saw them at um, the Rock Candy in yeah. Seattle. Tim, what was yeah. your first? What was the first concert you? Your first grown up concert in that the first one you said I'm going and you bought the ticket and you went. Hmm. At what age? Uh, maybe 16 or above. Your first adolescent concert where it was not something your parents wanted you to go to. It wasn't sort of a kid's thing. Probably Aerosmith. Okay, so can you imagine Steven Tyler saying, And I met a little dude named Tim Riley. Tim, you want to come on down and sing a song? I mean, I can't even. Or if the face-to-face guy had just said, And uh, if Sarah Dillon's in the house, you want to come down and sing a song with us? At your first con- that's that guy's first show. He's 16, and let me tell you this. I have been on stage in one capacity or another a lot of times at this point in my life in crowds of varying sizes. That guy, at 16, his first concert ever, and you got to know that's more people than he's ever been in front of for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he nailed it, man. He really... And he sang Brandy. What 16-year-old sings a song by the looking glass? I mean, it's just unbelievably surreal. So... All right. Well, he did such a good like. He just he sounded so nervous when he was talking, but then he when it came to singing, he was just belting right. it out. So anyway, so I so my thanks and thank you to everybody who sort of didn't go to the show unless is bearing with us as we gush about this. But really, the the a great show. B that that guy, some sixteen sixteen, some sixteen year old kid got yanked up on stage to sing with the band he loves at his first show. And C that and I'll tell real quickly, and then we'll uh, do this one call, then we'll break. Here's how he came to be on the show today. I had I wanted to I needed to go use the restroom last night, but it was just as Glenn was like, and so Joseph, do you want to come sing? And I'm like, oh, I can't leave now. So I watch him do his song. At the end of his song, huge standing ovation. And I told my wife, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna hit the bathroom now. Here's my chance. I I go to duck into the bathroom, and who should be walking into the men's room but that guy, Joseph? And I recognized him from his clothes, and he was just sweating and just made out of he was just made out of braces and awkward and sweat. And and I said I said, dude. You were just on stage. You were righteous. You know, you well done. And he's like, oh, I was, I, I was kind of freaking out. I didn't, uh, this is my first concert, and I, uh, I didn't really know I was going to be on stage in front of 2,000 people. And he says, at least. I know, and I, and I said, I said, you were great. I said, I don't mean to be stalking you in the bathroom. Can we talk to you for a couple minutes on the radio tomorrow? And he was really gracious to the weird 30-something guy accosting him in the bathroom trying to get his cell phone number. So, thank you, Joseph. One call, then we break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Be entertaining. Hey, Rick, it's Ryan. I got an idea for your listener show. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, uh, two things. Uh, the, the first one is you should have a grog bowl. This is something that we used to do in the Air Force where we'd put uh, alcohol in a punch bowl, and then you'd have to go up and do all these tricks and then take a hit out of it. And also you should uh, book the uh, band called Tops and Blues. They're with the Air Force, and they are phenomenal. Duly noted. Okay, grog bowl. Yep, I can get you more information. I'll give it to my sister. She works at CBS Radio. Who's your sister? Rachel Jacobs. Oh, I know Rachel. Yeah, I All can right. get you more information on that, but it, the Grog Bowl and the uh, Tops and Blues there are just awesome. They make the Navy and Army Band look weak. Please please pass along the information, sir. All right, thank you, Rick. Thank you, my friend. All right, by the way, as we break, guess how many people the Keller holds? 
How many? 3,500. Wow. So, well done, Joseph Workman. Singing Brandy pretty flawlessly in front of 3,500 people at 16 at your first concert. There was more not than an empty schnitzer. seat. Yeah, I mean, it's... I had Susan Reynolds just sent that to me. Capacity at the Keller is 3,500 people. Wow. I wouldn't have been... I mean, that takes balls. I would have frozen. Uh, I, yeah. I would have, I would have just collapsed into it. Because he had his friend to remove him out of his seat and shove him down the stairs. And the best part, and that we really have to break, is when he says that uh, he just remembers sort of floating towards the stage. Anyway, well done. God damn, I love music. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Castamon, and Tim Riley's. That's the... That's the sort of thing that could be misunderstood, Sarah. It's just the picture, too. Oh, the oh. picture. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, just a couple of brief emails here. Rick, that concert story is so effing major, I would have totally peed myself. And that's so neat to talk to the kid, too, because Heather and I were just like, because you, you were nailing it. Like, it's so perfect that you think it's fake. It does. It sounds like it might be a set, because Heather's like, do you think that that was maybe set up? And I didn't think so. No, because they didn't, they wouldn't, that band, you know, they, they're very legitimate. Mm-hmm. They're not very genuine about it. But but it sounds like such a cliche to say, but you would never believe that. If you saw that in a movie, mm-hmm. you were just showing me, actually, at the end of the Drew Barrymore film. Yeah. You would never believe that if you saw it in a film, and yet we were there last, I can tell you, and I felt terrible yesterday. I did not feel good at all. Dude, lightheaded, headache, just felt bad. Yeah, you looked a little nauseated when I saw you outside. I didn't feel very good at all, and uh, and it, I was, you know, going to go, but I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the show and just be surrounded by people, and I just, I'd much rather be at home, just collapsed. And, but I'm, I'm really glad I went, because the concert itself was exceptional, mm-hmm. and then, of course, to see that moment last night. Um, anyway. And, and you, their voices together, my, they were, like, meant yeah. to, they were put on this planet to sing together. It's, uh... So it really is exceptional. Oh, God, we've got to stop. So if you, yeah, so if you saw the Swell Season show last night, uh, you know what we're talking about. And if not, uh, you lose. Let's welcome now to the Rickard from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hello, guys. How are you? Good. What's going on? Long time no talk. How's I life? Know. Where have you been? You know, I had, I had Thursday and Friday off from... Uh, all the crazy travel and uh, long days with long days with the campaign, and then uh, I was here yesterday. Now I, I was I was watching my phone, but I think they claimed you were not on the prep sheet yesterday. Oh, now I see what's happened. You were not on the prep sheet yesterday. We talked to Dick Uliano instead because they claimed you were not available. Oh, hey, well that's nice. that's nice for Dick. I like that. Well, no, and we you know what he was great. He's we love talking to Dick Uliano. He's always wonderful. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're obviously you know you're sort of uh, you're the bee's knees to us. But you, oh man, I did miss. I almost did write Tyler, but then I was like, man, I'm gonna sound a little. It's gonna sound a little needy, weird. Did KCMD call for me? <laughs> Do I have any? Um, do I have any messages? Mess- I just, I don't know. Um, exactly. I, did you ever do this? Did you ever, uh, did you ever like, uh, check, uh, back when you had an answering machine? Did you ever call your own answering machine just to see if the light worked? Yeah. <laughs> I would do that sometimes. I don't know. I was expecting it. Maybe she called. Maybe, yeah. maybe the answering machine doesn't work. Maybe that's, um, or Tim Riley always jokes about, uh, when we were unemployed a couple years back, we had been fired, and he would, occasionally calling his own cell phone just to see if it actually worked because it would just not ring. Just go weeks and weeks without anybody calling you. So. <laughs> see, the worst is I actually do email myself. <laughs> just I haven't gotten an email in I'm, I'm sure that they must know my address. I, <laughs> the whole email system must be down. All very confusing. <laughs> uh, it, uh, this is the only thing I'm going to say about it because otherwise we just get back into auto-gush mode. But have you seen the movie once? Yes. 
So those guys were here last night in concert. Oh, that's right. You guys talked about this. It that's was, great. Um, it was really, really quite exceptional. So if you did not get a chance, if they're coming to your area at some point, you you got to see them. They're really, really quite something. I, I, I believe there's some kind of conflict when they're here. There's some reason I can't go, but I, I don't remember what it is because I actually looked. They're, I think they're in Philly. Yeah. I was going to try and go, and I, there's some reason I can't. They were really, really something very special. Um, oh, uh, wow. All right. A uh, couple things. Well, I'm not even going to... I'm not. I'm not even going to spend time on the Jeremiah Wright thing today, except to say that Dick well, Giuliano... Obama's actually talking about, just just came out with more on that in the last half hour. So oh, is, is that true? What did he say? Lives again. Uh, let me take, let me look at my notes. He's actually, CNN is playing it right now. Let's see what we got here. Um, it, oh, no, that's not him, huh? The judgment. Oh, that, I guess that's someone commenting on him. But essentially what Barack Obama said was the person that I met yesterday, the person who spoke in Washington yesterday, is not the person that I met 20 years ago, saying, essentially implying that he thinks Jeremiah Wright, the person he believed in, it, it kind of who became a leader or force in his life, uh, has changed. And he, he, again, rejects what Wright is saying now, Really, Obama used the strongest language yet, and also threw a little bit of a, a counterpunch toward Reverend Wright. Wright said yesterday here in Washington, or I'm sorry, in Detroit, rather, he implied uh, that Obama was being a politician when, uh, in, in sort of separating himself from Wright, that, that Obama was taking a political posture. And then today, Obama responded that saying, if Reverend Wright thinks that's political posturing, then he clearly doesn't know me. I'm standing for my values. Reverend Wright does not speak for my values. You know, Obama's kind of gotten it from uh, you know a couple different angles, because I think it was either yesterday or this morning that Al Sharpton came out with that, uh, that where he said, in a, quoting now, that, uh, he, that Barack Obama is, quote, grandstanding for white people. So it's just... Really? I did not see that. Yeah, it was in, uh, I believe it was in the New York Post today, where Al Sharpton referred to Barack Obama as grandstanding uh, for white people. Oh, my goodness. And it's just... It's getting it, out of hand. It's just, the whole thing has become weird. And Dick Giuliano, though, had the greatest statement where he compared, he compared Jeremiah Wright to Billy Carter. And he's just <laughs> sort of saying, you know, just sort of this guy that you, you kind of, you know, you're sort of bound to by maybe forces that you wish you could undo. Uh, but there he is, just sort of, uh, just being dragged along, you know, with all of his baggage behind you everywhere you go so that's fantastic don't forget i believe roger clinton i was going to make the roger clinton thing yesterday but he didn't have a beer named after him <laughs> man i'm glad i wasn't on just just that was so worth it for for that for the carter reference that's great can i tell you one of my grandfather's prized uh, possessions was a six-pack of billy beer oh. uh, that's that's my family those are my that's where i come from your grandfather, lisa your grandfather yeah. had that as a prize my grandfather had it like in a very like in a special like location in his in one of his like in one of his storage rooms or whatever, like up on a shelf, and like you weren't allowed to touch it. Like, what? like the dad in um, American Beauty. Totally, exactly. <laughs> exactly, right, right next to his massive collection of guns. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple of things. He, uh, color me ignorant because I don't understand this. There's, there's a lot of this. Uh, I don't say a lot of controversy, but some about this voter ID thing where. I guess if the Supreme Court ruled that in Indiana, in what they are saying, maybe copied in other states, that it, the state can now require you to bring photo ID when you vote. Yes. So here's my thing, and I really ask this only because I don't know. So who cares? Why not? I mean, because, like, if you're going to vote and cast a federal ballot, let's say, in this case, or a state ballot, a governmental ballot, it seems fair that they make sure that the person voting is really you. This is the argument that many people make, and, and it, in the end, that's the argument that won over in the Supreme Court, saying that there is enough of a concern for fraud in, in the democratic process that we sh they should have a way of 
clearly identifying the people who come to vote, that they are registered voters and registered citizens of the United States. That's what won over the Supreme Court. But the argument on the other side is that essentially these voter ID laws, which have been passed by and large by Republicans in Republican states or by Republican legislatures, that they're used as a sort of almost a Jim Crow type test by class. And, and that what they do is they make it harder for people who have lower incomes and the elderly who are less likely to have photo IDs. Although, you know, it's not in huge, it's not that massive numbers of the elderly don't have a photo ID, but there are some, and there are some people in lower income groups who may not have a driver's license, for example, may not have that photo ID, uh, that they say this is an exclusionary, this is an effort to exclude mm-hmm. lower income and senior voters particularly uh, who tend to vote more Democrat. Are they claiming that it's a de facto poll tax or something? It, they're not using those words, but essentially that it's a political move to exclude people who are more likely to vote Democratic. It, and, you know, and part of this, something that, they're, that they won't say publicly, is they'll say, oh, it's because these people have lower incomes, they might not need a driver's license. But part of it, if you talk to people behind the scenes, is they'll admit people who have lower incomes may also be uh, have a lower amount of education especially on voter laws and they may be even if they have an id they may, may be more likely to not bring it with them and they may they may be more likely to not know that they're supposed to bring it and sort of not pay attention to those kinds of rules and they may go to the poll oh you don't have your id go back and get it and then democrats are worried those people are not going to show up again they're not going to go back home maybe they work two jobs is the argument they make or for whatever reason they don't have the time or they don't they don't want to go back home get their ID come back again. It does seem like there ought to be some sort of compromise here though because I mean in Oregon it's sort of different because everything's done by mail but Exactly. Uh, the Oregon crazy progressives. Yeah, but it does but doesn't it seem doesn't it seem sort of reasonable to say that there should be some sort of middle ground to where uh to make some effort to determine the legitimacy of a voter. It seems like you cannot on the one hand say that casting your vote is the most sacred uh, obligation and right in a democracy and that it's it's sort of the uh, it, you know that it is the uh, that it is it is the most consecrated sacrament in all of the democratic process and on the other hand say that like they're not going to like check to see who's doing it right and you know this is the but where would that compromise be uh, you know those who want the voter id say that it, a photo id and of course down the road it's going to be a biometric id with sure. a printer retinal scan you know but right now a photo id is the only you know, the best way we have of identifying someone and then the other side is going to say no that that that, that is something that not everyone is going to necessarily bring with them to the poll so some states do have things where they request a photo id if you don't have one you sign a statement and if that vote is disputed later uh, then you know the political parties can get into it and they can research whether that person actually did vote that that might be your sort of compromise area but in practice it, it's very seldom uh, that that does anything you know that that, that people either object to those it, it gets very complicated that leads to sort of more legal entanglement if you have a close election well i'm going to get out in front of this thing and call i'm going to call for a mass microchipping of the entire population <laughs> That's going to be what I demand right now. It seems like the only way to really be sure. Well, it's about time. It's about time. All right. Uh, so let me ask you this before we go. Are you, in fact, on tomorrow, despite what the prep sheet may say? Yes. Do not believe. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the prep sheet. I will be here tomorrow for sure. And actually, I'm sad. I can't believe that we're already ending now.
I know. It's uh, well, you know, it, it's only because here's the, because we're going to butt up against Steve Kastelbaum, who's talking about uh, the, he has a there's three syllables in his story. The, those syllables are girls gone and wild. Oh, so, yeah, that's boy, Steve Kastelbaum. All I've got is budget rec- reconciliation here at the and the farm bill. I'm just saying, I know what the male 18 to 44 year old demographic uh, wants to hear about. That's, uh, that's all I'm saying. Man. All right, so, but we will we will without fail uh, endeavor to speak with you tomorrow. We'll make up for lost time. Then. Okay. Done. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Sure. They go, Lisa. Day. Ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. All right, it's 503 Thank you for coming by. Let's see, what have we got the, while we're waiting for... Uh, um, Do another version of popcorn. Do you want to talk about the disturbing picture that we both have in our inbox? Oh, dude. I, I, so That's like the worst thing. <laughs> I... It's not even funny. Did you post it somewhere? No. No, see, neither did I. You said that you were going to. I never said that. I can't post that dirtiness. Or we have to stop um, and explain what we're talking about. And as soon as I start, Steve Kastamon will call. Um, so we we started talking about a couple things. A, there's the horrific uh, Miley Cyrus uh, photograph that we were talking about yesterday. By the way, we should talk more about those later on, not because I just want to dwell on Miley Cyrus, but because I got a fair number of emails from people who said that the reason we found those creepy is because we don't have kids. And they said... You know, really? if you had children, you would understand there's nothing weird about those photographs or uh, that video. Uh, there's a video showing Billy Ray Cyrus and Myra Cyrus, Miley Cyrus. Uh, there's a video showing the photo shoot they did for Vanity Fair. And there's this moment where she's curled up in his lap, like giving him like an like a come hither look. And it was she freaking has, me out. You know what? And the way that the way her body is positioned, the way she's looking at him, the what she's wearing. It's sexual. It is. It is a sexual picture. That is not like, a, oh, this is my dad and I love him. This is like, oh, how can I look sexy for daddy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, and so but somebody's like, well, you just don't understand. You don't have kids or whatever. So there's that. And. Somebody sent us uh, the most horrific thing. It was, I don't even know how to describe it. Somebody sent us a photograph, and it's one of those things, it's like a lol cat or something, uh, you know, on the net where it's just a photograph that has then had some sort of hilarious but really disturbing caption put on it by some interweb user. Um, And so the... um, I have to keep closing it. Like, I'll open it, and then I have to close it. See, but the thing is, I don't even know that I can post it on my website and feel good about it. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you can for the, you know what? Why don't you give it a time limit? Why don't you post it from now until the end of the show? Because it just makes me feel weird. I should demand that Aaron post it instead. And I'll send people to Aaron's site, and then Aaron can be the one hosting it. It's it's just, it's, here's what it is. It's a photograph that clearly, like, one would see on, like, a something awful or FARC message board, something you would see posted at Dig or something, and it is um, it is the silhouette of a woman or girl, uh, and you don't see anything. It's completely safe for work, I suppose. It is the silhouette of, of a girl um, in what looks to be a darkened bedroom, sort of um, sitting up. Maybe not so much sleeping as she is not. As she is not. Sort of maybe sitting on top of something or someone. Anyway, and the caption is, and again, you can't see the girl. It's a totally black silhouette. So, but the, the caption is, when the lights are off, I forget he's my dad. And, but the guy sent it to us. But it doesn't even, I don't even, it doesn't convey the It doesn't convey how horrible it is. But the guy sent it to us and with the caption, this totally sums up the Miley Cyrus situation. That was his assessment, by the way. 
That's the listener's assessment, not ours. Anyway, but it's one of those things that Sarah and I open, and the Internet is full of this stuff where you look at it, and you laugh, but then you go, ha, ah! and you sort of, and you try to suck the laughter back in because it's horrible. So. I don't think I laughed. I was just kind of like. But, you know, but, you, but it's not really laughter, but you just like, it's so sort of, not shocking, but it's just sort of wrong. It's so off-putting. That you kind of look at, you kind it of go. So off-putting. Anyway, okay, I don't even know what time. to say. I don't think I can. Okay, post no, no, no. It. I'm closing it. I'm not going to post no, that. No, I can't do that. I mean, it's just, it's so disturbing. Um, so we'll do that, and then, but then, sort of, as a horrific offshoot of this other, this thing we were talking about, we got to get to this Austrian story uh, later because it's so. Yes, I so want to be seeing this dungeon or whatever. Unbelievably creepy. So, in any event, uh, let's welcome now to the Richardson Show from New York City. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Castabell. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? How are you, brother man? All right, enjoying the day. Oh, all right. Hey, let me ask you. Well, you and I know the answer to this. You don't have kids, do you? Not yet. If no. I may, if I may ask. All right. Uh, have you seen these weird Miley Cyrus photographs floating around of her and her dad? I've caught a glimpse of some of them. Yeah. Uh, do you find them disturbing in some way? I don't know. I mean. Given the fact uh, that, you know, the famous Annie Leibovitz, uh, she did take them, right? I think it was Annie Leibovitz. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Annie Leibovitz took the Vanity Fair one, and then there's uh, there's a video on Perez Hilton. It's like, you know, where somebody shot, it's like a video of the photo shoot. You know, where somebody, uh, somebody, <laughs> pardon me, somebody was just on, on the photo set, and they were just sort of, you know, it's like filming it as the shoot happened. And there are a couple really disturbing sequences where Miley Cyrus really? is curling up in Billy Ray Cyrus's lap and... Really giving him what must, by by any standards, be called a come hither look, and it's so, clearly at the behest of the photographer, and really? it's just so unbelievably creepy. And I know that we sound strangely obsessed uh, with it for the last couple of days, but I think part of that is that we seem to be the only people who are sort of creeped out by it. Like I haven't heard, and I swear to God, we'll talk about actual news here in a second, but I <laughs> I keep waiting. For someone in, like, the legitimate media, meaning, like, not this jackhole radio program, I keep waiting for somebody in the real media to sort of stand up and go, pardon me, uh, we find the way you, that you pose with your 15-year-old daughter to be really creepy. It, it just sort of no one says it. And just taking... You mean the New York Post's uh, reaction to it uh, wasn't good enough? <laughs> was there... Was there was, I must have missed it. Did the New York Post say something about it? I think they said something along those lines that it was kind of creepy to them. But, uh... Yeah, I, I, it's gotten some attention, but there's just been so much news lately that uh, these stories that that normally you know grab the headlines, you know, like the the uh, um, Britney Spears types, you know, stories, uh, just aren't getting the the amount of press that they they normally would if it wasn't an election year. I think. I suppose. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk about this this Elliot Spitzer thing, which on the one hand seems like like really you know three weeks ago, um, but. Just what is this girl's name? I can't even remember her name. Oh, uh, Daphne. You know, uh, her no. last name is Daphne. Um, Ashley. Ashley. That was her. Of course, that was yeah. her name. So, um, so in what must really be seen as some sort of last grab maneuver to try to get a little cash out of this, uh, as the clock reads fourteen fifty nine, she is now <laughs> suing Girls Gone Wild. Even though she was, she signed a release and she was of age when most of this stuff was filmed, right? Well, well she gave him the impression that she was of age at the time, but now she's saying she was actually 17, which apparently by Florida law really isn't a problem because you, it's not illegal to possess uh, images of, of uh, someone who's 17 in, with any sort of nudity as long as there's no sexual act involved or it's not for uh, sexual right. arousal purposes. 
But uh, I'm, the best part about all this is Joe Francis's written response to us at CNN regarding uh, this this lawsuit now that she's asking for ten million dollars. Right. So Joe Francis, I have to read you this whole thing. It's it's about a paragraph and a half. We were very surprised and in fact amazed today that Miss Dupree filed a lawsuit against Girls Gone Wild. We have not publicly released any new video of Miss Dupree due to the corporate policy of not using footage of individuals younger than 18. It is incomprehensible that Miss Dupree could claim she did not give her consent to be filmed by Girls Gone Wild when in fact we have videotape of her giving consent while showing her identification. We did in fact offer Ashley via her New York attorney $1 million to host and promote various Girls Gone Wild activities. She refused this offer, and in fact, if she'd like to reconsider, we'd be happy to discuss. She should keep in mind, it's considerably more than, gover- than the governor of New York paid her, and our activities aren't illegal. Yeah. As the CEO of Girls Gone Wild, he goes on to say, she's seeking $10 million for topless photos taken in front of a room full of people, including two newspapers and multiple crews we had in the room. These images were taken in public places and contain no sexual contact. We expect to triumph in this matter and continue to offer the best and hottest girls, added Francis. <laughs> Good for him. That's funny. And then he said, I find it uh, ironic that she charged the governor $2,000 for sex and is now asking us for $10 million for taking her shirt off. That is good. See, that guy is all American. He is <laughs> this country in a nutshell, really, in all of its good and bad forms. Well done. All right. Well, I got I got some good laughs out of that one yesterday when he emailed it. Well, here's I mean, not that I even really care at this point, but I mean, what is what, where is she? What is she even doing? She's somewhere here in New York, and her attorney is Don Buckwald, who we all know really? is Howard Stern's attorney. Yeah. It's, do you wonder how how that works? How they how things like there was somebody the other day, some woman who ended up with Gloria Allred as her attorney, and you sort of wonder how that celeb attorney thing happens how that sort of how that sort of comes to comes to be but she had to know somebody who's in that circle the howard stern circle because a lot of times uh you know in the other attorney that was always on howard stern show dominic barbara yeah. the, the famed divorce attorney who everybody knows from uh the long island lolita case you remember that right one? uh and joey buttafuoco uh, a lot of these you know you know flash in the pan uh, infamous people wind up uh, with an attorney that's in his circle of attorneys. So I'm wondering if there's some connection there. I don't know. There are 8 million stories in the Naked City, Steve Kastenbach. <laughs> no so. pun intended. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow, my friend? Yeah, I'll be here. All right. Until then, have a fantastic day. We will have speech with you soon, sir. Thanks a lot. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Excellent. All right. Well, we should break here. Uh, we'll come back. Yeah. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, we'll do the creepiest story you've ever heard in your whole freaking life later on. Uh, what else? Uh, Geek Watch coming up. Worst song ever. Uh, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's a, uh, Aaron sent this to me. We'll play it later. He says, Rick, I'm reading a great book called The Ten Cent Plague, the great comic book scare and how it changed America, which is about that whole seduction of the innocent thing in the 50s where they thought comic books were taking children to hell. It must be great to work for eight hours and get paid to do that. Anyway, he says it meant... 
He says it mentions a song called That Ignorant Cowboy by Tom Glazier. He's the guy that wrote On Top of Spaghetti. He, it's a song about a cowboy who gets syphilis. He recorded the song, and it was uh, sold as a disposable record in an issue of Western Suspense, which is drawn by Harvey Kurtzman, who is from EC Comics. Anyway, so we might play it later. It's, it's kind of a funny Western song about a cowboy, a jolly cowboy who gets syphilis. So, well, I'll play that later on. Maybe Aaron can take some time out and bring it over to us. <laughs> You don't believe he does any actual work, do you? Which is fine. No, because I've been in his position on numerous occasions. <laughs> just sitting there, taking work that you're supposed to do and just shoving it into the trash. Everybody hates you, but you don't care. Don't that, care at all. That's the, great, that's the great thing about having a job that you don't have any emotional investment in. Mm -hmm. You're doing a bad job. Yeah, what of it? I mean, you know, we're, we're going to fire you. So? Go ahead. <laughs> you're rude to the customers. Yes, I am. Just don't give a rat's ass. Nothing is getting done. Nothing got done before I started working here. What's the difference? <laughs> nothing will get done after I leave. You're I'll come back in ten years, still nothing will be done. You're behind in filing these reports. Shred. All right. There were no shredders back in my day doing that. You had to throw them away by you, hand. And you, you had to tear them in half manually. <laughs> or into small pieces. And I did that. God bless you, Tim Riley. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And a big welcome to our brand new sponsor, the New Time News, and many other newscasts, as I hear. Indeed. Are brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Fox 12 News. Catch up on all the latest and the hottest news tonight at 10 o'clock on Fox 12 Fantastic. News. Wonderful. Welcome aboard. They are, they are the best news. They are. They indeed. have dirty dancing, and, uh, and they don't have dirty, dirty dining. I'm thinking of dirty <laughs> dancing. Dirty dining. <laughs> tonight, dirty dancing on Fox 12 News. Maybe for some of those hot news chicks out covering <laughs> stories. So. Watch out, Fox 12 News. They're already glad they sponsored me. I know they are. They're getting all this extra stuff for them. Uh, welcome aboard, Fox 12. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, there's a bank robber in the loose in the coup. Police are searching for a masked armed man. Don't ask me where they began. Uh, he reportedly fired sh several shots after robbing a Vancouver credit union this morning. He was at Northwest Navigation Federal Credit Union at 815 West 4th Plain Boulevard shortly before 9, right after it opened. So he must have planned this. Uh, the man fired three shots to get into the building, which contained some employees. So he fired three shots to get... I guess it wasn't open. The robber was seen wearing a dark ski mask with holes cut in for eyes and was last seen running away holding a bag. Police blocked, uh, blocked several streets trying to track him down. Nearby schools are locked down. The search continues. Nobody get hurt. This seems like a robbery from 1965. Guy has a gun, ski mask, and runs away holding a bag. Yeah, I think the days of running away. Well, do they not have? They must not even have the dye pack then, because I would think it would have exploded or whatever. So they don't have the dye pack at Northwest Navigation Federal Credit Union. I'm is not that saying, saying that's now? the case. I'm not saying that they have lax security measures. I'm just saying, isn't that always the deal where the guys run for the door and then the bag explodes in their hands or whatever? Well, you think he could have waited until the bank opened? It said he shot his way in. Who shoots their way into a bed? That doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, people in the coup, they, they, they puzzle me. Something. <laughs> can, can I just say, by the way, I don't mean to poke fun at it. Don't spend it all in one place in the coup. <laughs> I, I met a listener last night named Jesse, who um, I was, uh, my wife and I were talking to our good friend Amy Faust, and um, 
this uh, woman walked who by fantastic. who looked who looked stunning by the way mm-hmm. so congratulations to you Amy. your hair is awesome lady uh so i'm sitting there talking to amy and this uh, list, a listener uh, walks by and i think she recognized my voice word and she said hey are you are you rick and i said yeah and she goes you know i love your show or whatever and i and i said great and she said well, i can't really listen right now because of my job and uh, i can't get the reception in my building and i said uh and I said, well, do you do you listen online? She goes, well, no, I have a 14-4 modem. And I said, well, what do you mean you have a what? Who are you? Why would you have a 14-4 modem? And she just sort of, she kind of hung her head. And she goes, I live in Vancouver. And then that was sort of the end of the conversation. It did explain everything. So, uh, but she was. Uh, she that's was, a girl who used to live in New York City at one time. Not Amy. No, this is the listener. Oh, this is the listener. No, I'm sure Amy has. I'm sure here in the thriving metropolis of Portland, Amy has better than 14.4. I would think so. But I think technology is still... I must have missed a part of that conversation. Technology is still on its way to the couve where this listener lives. Uh, but she was lovely and charming. So, Jesse, thank you for listening. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So we hope they catch that bank robber. Uh, kids are cruel. A 13-year-old girl has been arrested for the murder of her infant niece. Ruby Navarro Cabrillo, uh, 16 months, was brought into Salem Hospital Sunday night. She was not breathing and later pronounced dead. They believe the infant died from an inflicted brain injury. Ruby's grandparents and aunt or aunt were watching the child Saturday night. Her mother was not home at the time. The child's aunt, 13-year-old Rosita, caused the girl's death, the detectives say. She was arrested for murder and taken to Marion County Jail. So how would you like to go fishing and uh, then have the old fishing hole no longer there? Uh, that's what happened. Opening day was uh, drained out at a popular Southern Oregon fishing hole. Uh, angler Doug Evans took his family to a pond at the Denman Wildlife Area. The water level quickly seemed to dip, and then there wasn't any more water. By 4 o'clock, the pond was dry, transformed into a mud hole populated by dying fish. <laughs> I've been fishing here since I was 15 years old, said the fisherman, as he looked at a large carp flopping in the soggy ground. This is terrible. I don't understand. Where did the pond go? It disappeared. But I mean, to, the to water where? got sucked away. The water, along with hundreds of fish, disappeared through a broken dam. It appears uh, the wood either became too rotten or could no longer hold back the water. They have a dam made out of wood? Well, that, that, that's all the beavers had to deal with <laughs> up there. Oh, not a man-made dam. Okay, I, I was all not. confused for a second. Maybe it was a wooden dam. Let me uh, check here. <laughs> so who builds a dam out of wood? I mean, apart from beavers. So. so the pond measures about uh, three acres and is used to irrigate the wilderness area. So uh, they repaired the dam with newly cut boards, but the damage was already done. The pond is important because it services our ditches around here. Uh, they worried about the uh, water holes downstream, which rely on fresh water draining from the pond. Uh, so they got to find a new place to fish, which is too bad. I guess this is kind of a Darwin watch. Here's your Darwin watch for a Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I need all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey. That Beaverton man serving time in the state pen for forcing his kids to shoplift is dead. He died in jail. Adam Brown and his wife Amber were arrested last October after target employees had them loading their car with items that a 14-year-old girl and 9-year-old boy pushed out of the store without paying. Uh, Brown was found unresponsible in a holding cell 
in the segregation unit over the weekend. He was later pronounced dead at Salem Hospital. An autopsy was performed, but it will be about six weeks before the toxicology tests are completed. Uh, based on surveillance photos and loss reports, Brown and uh, Wilson hit the Washington County Target at Birdmeyer store so many times last year that the employees were not on the lookout for them. They were professional shoplifters, and they were using children to do the dirty work. The teenage girl and her mother live with a couple in the Beaverton apartment, furnished with more than $10,000 in stolen TV stereos and high-end electronic goods. The girl told police that Wilson and Brown made them steal almost every day. Brown and Wilson live with their uh, two of their own kids and five others. Police said uh, some of the children were involved in shoplifting and some were uh, present but did not participate. So uh, Brown pleaded guilty in the case when it went to court. Because he had previous convictions for criminal mischief and assault, he was sentenced to 13 months in prison. He would have been released as early as May next year. His wife got 30 days. During her court appearance, the judge called her a miserable parent. <laughs> You're about as miserable as any parent could be, said the judge. Uh, what we want to avoid is having your children grow up to be just like you. So this is so he's in the holding cell and he just dies. Died. Died. Maybe it was one of those things where the good Lord realized his mistake and just turned him off remotely. You know what I mean? No, just decided to step in and just just sort of deal with the situation from uh, from wherever. All right. Well, that guy's dead. There you yeah. go. There's your don't, own. Don't, don't. Another one By the way, somebody's weighing on the, this the robbery at this credit union or whatever in Vancouver. Noting the same thing I noted, which is strange. It seems like the bank was closed, so the guy just shot his gun three times and decided the best course of action was just to let him in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense at all. The whole thing is all... It's, it's People are with... so impatient these days. <laughs> I mean, they want everything right away. Uh, let's see. Well, we're just getting a lot of uh, emails about this. We're still getting emails on the Miley Cyrus thing, but we'll deal with that later. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, so apparently he took one employee to the vault to get the money. Yeah, but nobody was injured. So. I just sort of assumed that, first of all, a couple of things. A, I assume that all the money has dye packs. B, I always assume there's nothing in the vault at this point. Uh, I always figure the vault is like a decoy, that it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, there is a, some sort of a diversionary tactic. Just like when I go into a bank and I see those big cameras mounted on the ceiling, I assume they're not real. I figure that those are just fake cameras and that the secret cameras are like pinhole sized and they're on the floor uh, filming me the whole time. Because it just, it seems too obvious just have big cameras mounted on the ceiling that you could disable, and then to have all the money, uh, you know, like in a bank vault somewhere. Yeah, I think there are signs to scare people, like, undercover agents are on this train. Sure they are. <laughs> well, that was my suggestion, is the Mac just lie and just say that the cops were everywhere but dressed just like everyday citizens. So here's a question. When you, uh, do you have to pay at a bank for a safety deposit box? Do you have to pay yearly for that or something? I believe so, yes. Because my whole thing was if you died, how would they ever know? Where they just keep your things there in perpetuity. Well, it would be indicated in your will. What if you... Okay, but if you didn't have a will, in other words... Oh, no, then probably nobody would know, I would imagine. Then it would just stay there forever. Well, then I think it becomes property of the state, doesn't it? I guess. Well, I guess it's somebody... Yeah, I guess, the, I guess they would maybe compare your, uh, uh, your death certificate against bank records or something. I mean, you can stash all kinds of things there. Like, I had roommates that would stash cash at, at safe deposit boxes at three different banks. Really? Yeah. That's the sort of thing that okay. That's the sort of thing that I would almost never do because I, I would be a, I would be afraid the government would somehow tag me for it. Oh, uh, you're not a lap dancer and have that amount of cash to still. No, I'm not, Tim. No, I'm not. It's not that we know of no. Tim Riley. <laughs> Let's move on. All right, Tim Riley. Uh, one Portland school is telling the students shave your eyebrows and go home. Several students at Centennial High School have picked up on the trend to shave lines into their eyebrows. 
The kids say it's a fashion statement. School administration says, however, it's a gang sign. It is retarded in either case, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, Centennial uh, administrators are telling the kids who shave those lines they can't come back to school until they take care of the problem by sharing their eyebrows off completely. Uh, four kids have been sent home. One came back immediately with a bandage covering the shaved brow. The others are still out of school. So where is Centennial High School? Must be on the east side. I mean, it's going to be Did some... you fill it in with some like eyebrow pencil? That's exactly what I was going to say. I, I would say around Gresham. <laughs> because <laughs> is, is that just your guess based on well, the story? It, it says here, Gresham police say members of Southside 13, a prominent Latino gang in East Multnomah County, are marking themselves by shaving one line into an eyebrow and three lines into the other to symbolize... 13. You know, Vanilla Ice did the same thing. So really, if this is in fact a gang thing, you are choosing your role models poorly. Uh, when I was in high school, so I would have been, uh, this is like in 91, I guess. So when I was either a junior or senior in high school, um, the um, the big thing for about a day and a half was notching your eyebrows because Vanilla I Let's go through just a, a small litany of bad hair things from the late 80s, early 90s. I will take uh, the that kid and play like Gumby haircut. Uh, that a lot of the guys had for a while. That was so bad. That was sort of the, like, I don't know what... Like the flat top kind of thing? Can basically? I say this? I don't know if there's, like, a black mullet. Like, I don't know if, if there's some sort of equivalent to the mullet uh, in the black community. But I, I would wager that perhaps that kid in play Gumby haircut was, you know, where it was all, like, kind of shaped and sort of tall, like a big pencil eraser on top of your head. And every so often it would just slant down for no reason. Uh, also, I will also take the carving letters or symbols in the back of your hair. Uh, which Did both... you ever do that? No, God no. That would be really cool. If you no, did. I mean, both white and black men alike did that, though, uh, where they would get the fade sort of on the back. Uh, and then they would carve in uh, like their name or like some so like I, I know uh, I knew a lot of guys who would do the public enemy symbol in the back of their head. Um, and there was also uh, in the late in mid to late 80s, whenever it was that Brian Bosworth was playing for the Seattle Seahawks, Brian Bosworth would do this thing where he would put notches uh, on the side horizontally right above. Yeah, like the, like right above his ear, like on the top of the side. Some of the line. kids on, on the Hawthorne Boulevard are starting to rock that. Really? Oh yeah, my friends. Well, yeah, some of my friends like have tails and stuff. Like it's oh, all the tail. The tail's the worst. Why would you ever do that? I don't know. I I love it though. I think I love when people look ridiculous. I mean, it's great in an awful. It's great for us. It's great in an awful kind of way. I just Bosworth's thing was that he would do the notches and then he would paint them whatever the color of the opposing team was going to be that Sunday. So there was a whole thing in my school where kids would notch their hair Bosworth style, but. Anyway, so when Vanilla Ice came out, I know you kids may find this hard to believe, but there was a moment when Vanilla Ice was considered really, really cool. Uh, when he was sort of the, he was the, the tip top of the hip hop in American culture. And his eyebrows, or at least one of his eyebrows, was notched up. Oh, that's that's instantly what I think of every time I think of notched eyebrows. And so my friend... Because he, he had three, right? Yeah. And so my friend uh, Phil, who was in my drama class with he me... He had three eyebrows? No, he had uh, <laughs> three notches. His, his right <laughs> eyebrow had a bunch of like lines through it. You didn't notice when we saw him. <laughs> it, it looked like he had some really area-specific alopecia going on, uh, like a really neatly taken care of alopecia. And so my friend Phil, Phil, came to school, and he had decided that. And Phil was just the lamest of the lamers, and he had done the same thing. He had notched his eyebrows, thinking that that would be like that was his ticket to fame and fortune in high school. Uh, and he was quickly shown that that was not true, and everybody ridiculed him. And so he vanished at lunch, and he came back, penciled in, <laughs> totally penciled in with ma. And it didn't, it wasn't like the color wasn't uh, wasn't exactly correct. Uh, so it was like you could sort of tell where he'd. So the next day he had to start coloring them both in. And then of course the big thing was sometimes when you lose your eyebrows, your eyelashes they don't come back. 
And, and there was a whole kind of nervous period for Phil where he was wondering whether or not he was going to have to spend the rest of his life coloring in his eyebrows. Mm-hmm. So, it, Man, when I was in school, like it wasn't the eyebrow thing. There was the worst trend when I lived on Whidbey Island. Uh, girls in eighth grade and ninth grade would take half of their hair and they'd shave all of their hair underneath. Like not... not all the way to the skin, but like about uh, an inch Oh, so long. it was long in the back, but long. underneath it was shaved. Yeah, it was long on the top. It was long everywhere else, yeah. but they would shave off half of their hair. So it would be like shaved from like here to here. Yeah, I don't know why you would do that. But, like tons of girls in my school do that. A lot of the, lot of the hip girls. You wonder that. who starts things like that. It just looked really bad. You know, every time we have a conversation like this, it reminds me of that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where... What is that scene where she is talking and and she's looking at the two belts or whatever and they both look like turquoise or something and the guy gives her who is the who's oh the, Meryl Streep that takes her down but and who is the guy it's it's um um Tucci Stanley Tucci Stanley Tucci and he gives that whole speech about how you know it starts whatever somebody makes a decision then you know you in Lick Skillet Illinois go to Woolworths and you buy something that we selected for you two years earlier whatever but he gives the whole speech I think about that with haircuts too that at some point somebody decided you know the thing to do is to have a tail and the tail is the worst there's my I had a friend of mine who, who just would he was convinced to his core that chicks thought that that was really hot despite all evidence to the contrary despite years and years of being mocked for it he just cl- and then at one I point I think some guys can even these days can rock the tail this guy couldn't and can I tell you this and then we'll resume the news at one point he had the tail and at one point he actually went so far I swear to you as to get his mom's hair curler and to be like curling it so it looked like he had uh, so he looked like he had part of it, like a like a phone cord hanging off the back of his head. There was a boy named Terrell when I was in fifth grade that that would curl his tail. That's no good at all. All right, uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, anyway, we all had the same haircuts and we had no freedom whatsoever to choose. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> you, you can see hair until this is over. I was, regrettably, you can't weigh <laughs> into this at all. This has nothing to do with my life, and I have no idea what you people are talking about. You didn't have the same trashy upbringing. <laughs> no, Tim was at like a dead poet society school. Exactly. Totally. He was just sitting in an underground cave, like, reading uh, reading Tolstoy or something. So, all right. But you couldn't commit suicide with just one floor up. <laughs> you had to jump off a hundred times. Yeah, all right. The heavens made a girl named Chris with hair and skin of gold. Here's Tim Riley. So, uh, let's talk about what all you kids are talking about, or not watching or talking about, for a show with so much buzz, nobody is watching. Monday night's episode of The Gossip Girl scored a 1.9 rating. That's fifth place in its time slot, a pathetic finish by most industry standards. What's going on? It hasn't picked up any steam despite all the press it's been getting over the past few weeks. Here's an interesting thing about Gossip Girl is that I was talking to my uh, wife the other day because my wife is sort of the uh, a cultural liaison for me in some ways for reality shows because I don't really watch uh, a lot of reality crap. But I asked her the other day, I noticed uh, that she had been watching like a marathon of the hills. Um, and I said... It's like the... That's the worst show. And I didn't know what it was, though. And I said, The Hills, I said, is that a reality show or is that like a real show? And she said, oh, it's it's a reality show about, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, well, what's Gossip Girl then? Because I kept getting Gossip Girl and The Hills confused in my head. And here's the, the weird thing and something that might contribute to the fact that Gossip Girl apparently has no viewers is that by her own admission, she never really watches Gossip Girl, and yet she knew everybody on the show, everything that was going on, and every plot twist, because I guess, uh, like, uh, like, like, uh, um, like, In Touch and Star and and OK Magazine, just cover all of it. And so she said that at this point, she doesn't really feel like she needs to watch Gossip Girl because it's just so, because there's, it's just so relentlessly covered everywhere. So in any event, so it's got a lot of buzz, but nobody's watching. Yes. Well, here's something humorous. 
A letter from Oregon Secretary of State Bill Bradley in the voters' pamphlet urges you to call an 800 number if you need assistance. Callers to that number are directed to another 800 number. Rather than help for the May 20th primary, callers are offered an exciting new way to go one-on-one with hot girls. But they need a credit card. The wrong number appears in Bradbury's letter to voters on the second page of the state publication sent to 1.7 million households. The correct number appears in about a dozen other places in the election guide, like anybody's going to call it. Uh, Bradbury apologizes for the gap and urges voters not to call the sex line. A Multnomah County jury has awarded $2.1 million to a woman from the coup who fell from the balcony at the Rose Garden. Uh, Tammy Matson dropped some 42 feet, breaking her arm, her pelvis, shoulder, and some ribs. She got into the third floor smoking terrace. You can see all these bad things developing right here. Vancouver smoking. Orange, she obviously, pelvis, taking care of her body is clearly job one. Yep. Uh, Matson and her attorneys argue that there are no warning signs telling there were 10 uh, Vancouver people not to sit on the three-foot-wide ledge. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. She, oh, wait, hold on. We so, don't know how much she weighs. Where is she from? Vancouver. I think we know. <laughs> uh, so she, she's taking a third floor smoking break. <laughs> was she? It is a three foot wide ledge that is forty feet above what? I'm imagining concrete. Mm-hmm. So she decided to sit on the ledge, not stand, not stay back from the ledge, but actually just to sit there while smoking. Now it is argued, and more than likely correctly, that no reasonable person would have hopped onto the ledge to use it as a seat. Yeah, you think? I think that, that would sort of go with Vancouver that thing. woman. <laughs> well, in Vancouver, Tim, the uh, things are a little different. Moreover, <laughs> we're not done yet. Oh, of course I, not. I'm, I'm, I'm just stoking this fire just a little bit more. Excellent. My sentence. The defense argued the 43-year-old Vancouver woman who sat on the three-foot-wide ledge to smoke a cigarette was affected by the five beers she reportedly told a medical responder she had drunk. Wow. Please tell me this was to see some sort of country music event. Does it say what the event was? You know, I don't know. All right. So do we know when this what, happened? Yeah, what day? Uh, I don't have it. September 2002. Can we go back and look at the schedule? Wait, so this is six years ago? Yeah. All right, okay. And where was this? At the Rose the Garden? The Rose Garden. Uh, Rose Garden. So she had five beers, decided to go up and smoke, and did this by three-foot-wide sit- ledge. on a concrete ledge, 40 feet above more concrete. Well mm-hmm. done. Splat. Yeah. <laughs> and so she then sued who? She sued the Rose Garden, or oh. the company, the former, the Oregon Arena Corporation, the former operator of the Rose Garden. All right. All right. Oh, wait. Hold on. Here we go. This is... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's this up? Joe. Hey. Hey, uh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. It was funny because I was wondering for the longest time whether or not she survived. I actually happened to be about eight or ten feet away from where she hit when she landed. So this is, uh, by the way, we will say, as we often do in this program, that uh, we are taking the caller at his word. We have no way of knowing if anything in this call is correct. Uh, we have simply only your word to go on as to the veracity of the contents. But what was the event? What what, what was this? It was a Trailblazers game uh, against Miami Heat in November of '02. So, how? So she landed on what, concrete? Actually, uh... On the, the main floor at the Rose Garden, it's, uh, there's that um, smoking area on the east side of the building. Right. And it's actually, there's a TriMet, I think, uh, TriMet stop not far from there. And there's a fence. It kind of comes down a little terrace. And then there's a, a, like a oh, rock iron oh, fence. Oh, okay. I've got it wrong in my head. I was somehow thinking this was a smoking terrace that was inside. Okay. I. No, well, it, the one that she fell from is up above. 
It's like on the third floor. It's like the 300 level. But it, but in other words, it, it empties into the outdoors, not into the indoor correct. area. Correct. It empties into oh. the outdoor. Oh. And that's the thing. At first, we were outside, and uh, we were smoking, and we heard uh, a loud thud and then a, oh. a bang on the on the fence and then a thud. And this, I didn't even know it was a girl at first. Yes, and it was a large girl. I can tell you that well, right she's now. She's from the Cove. Yes. Yeah. And she... Uh, at first, I thought it was somebody who came down and tried to jump the fence from because I just heard a bus stop right above us, and I thought somebody just came down and jumped over the fence and oh. then tripped over it, landed on the pavement, and was oh. And then not long after, I was like, "What an idiot!" And then shortly after that, there was a lady that was standing right there, not far from us, who saw the whole thing, who was a nurse. And, and so, it, like, so your assessment is that she fell from the terrace, hit the fence, and then back, and then onto the ground. Yes. Wow. Boy, that's, yeah, that's she no the, good. She hit the fence on the way down. Jesus, that's unfortunate. And, Was she and, able to uh, finish a cigarette? Yeah, what, what, did she drop her beer? <laughs> yeah, she dropped it. I think she dropped her cigarette on the other side of the uh, the other side of the fence. Please so. tell me that she said, ow, at some point. That's the only thing that would make it better, is if she actually hit the fence and then just sort of, ow, as she hit I, the ground. I can tell you from experience that that sound haunted me for days. Yeah, that's. would you say it was more of a thud or more of like a wet squishing noise? Uh, the best way I can describe it is imagine a 55-gallon plastic bag full of beef stew hitting the pavement from a helicopter. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We thought those turkeys could fly. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. That's Joe. That's great. All right, we're going to put that into a promo. Let's do one uh, more story here, then we'll take a break. That's that's an amazing video thing. Anyway, uh, so let's save this for a while here. I do have this casting notice here. A Portland casting company is seeking a pregnant woman to play Charlize Theron's double. Uh, apparently, they're seeking a, a pregnant Charlize Theron stand-in for a new feature film directed by John Hillcott and uh, based on the Cormac McCarthy uh, novel, The Road. I'm the only one in here, I think, who's read this novel. Yeah. Um, it's filming on the coast. You know, I, Cormac McCarthy's one of those guys. He wrote uh, No Country for Old Men. And one of those uh, authors that kind of makes me feel dumb because everybody I know who's smart has read him, except for, like, Amy Faust last night. She's like, well, I was reading this Cormac McCarthy novel the other night. Mm-hmm. And I, and, you know, I've never read anything that he's done. Uh, so the road I, is riveting. I, I, uh, like it. I heard it's dark. I heard it's yes, kind of a bleak. Very green. dark. So, so if you are a pregnant Charlize Theron lookalike, you got to be blonde or have dir- dirty blonde hair. Height five foot nine to five foot eleven. Be around four months pregnant, and normally wear a dress size of six to eight. Uh, so let's see. The woman chosen to work will have uh, two to three days in mid-May. And so, what do they do if if they do meet these qualifications? Uh, what would they, what do they do? Uh, let's see. It's uh, Lena Vinker casting. So just Google it. That's Lena Vinker casting. V E N. K-E-R. All right, so she sent me that. Let's uh, take a break. We'll resume after this. More around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, we'll have uh, the worst story in the history of everything. Richie Bristol will join us later on today. Did you see the thing that Richie Bristol pointed out? The uh, the 96, uh, 96 top things that white people like? 
Yeah, yeah, he sent that to me yeah. this morning. I think it's sort of like a distillation of everything on that website. Uh, so we'll bring him in later on. We'll have him do more of his kooky uh, talking like a white man thing. What was his thing? What was the phrase he used? What was the phrase that Richie used yesterday when he was when we told him to speak like a Caucasian? <laughs> he said because he was he's doing this you know thing where he's meeting these hot Asian ladies online, and one of them was looking for a Caucasian guy, and Richie said. I can talk like a Caucasian. What he was like, hello, sir. Hello, sir. Can I help you? <laughs> it was fantastic. So we'll have him in uh, later on today. Oh, he also made this cannibal MySpace page that we've never done anything with. Uh, so my wife just stopped by during the break. Um, it was like a weird thing. I walked into the, it was like a Angela Chase on my so-called life talked about like when you know somebody you know from one part of your life and somebody you from another part of your life and you see them in a weird it's like seeing a teacher at the supermarket so i walked out into the hallway and there was my wife and i was having like a weird brain melt like what's where am i um so apparently the truck uh we have a car and we have a truck and apparently our truck broke down wait for it while she was driving it wait for it in the middle of traffic wait for it in the rain uh just now so she was in the middle of. Uh, was she close to the station? Did she walk? No, there? no, she wasn't. She was in the middle of the traffic, uh, middle of traffic somewhere. The truck quote just stopped working in the middle of the road, and it was pouring rain, and she didn't have her cell phone. Bam! Oh. So a kindly man stopped by and helped her push her truck to the side of the road. Then she had to walk and find a payphone. Then she had to call a cab and a tow truck. Then she had to, and so now the truck is being uh, fixed somewhere for something that. Something that's going to cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So that tax refund we were going to get, I'm just going to send that apparently to a guy named Ed who is working on our truck as of now. So. Oh, should I be worried thing. that I haven't received my economic stimulus check? Because my. Sam? Because. Well, did, did you get your. What? Your mic. Did you get your last refund in a direct deposit account? Yes. And your social security numbers and with those numbers specified. Yeah, yesterday. between zero and 20, yes. Hmm. So you should have gotten it by now. I would think you would have gotten it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder who would I talk to about that. The IRS. Have fun. <laughs> I'm sure they'll. No, Sarah. The government's here to help you. So have have fun speaking with the Internal Revenue Service. I hear they're a great group of people who cannot wait to give you money. So uh, all right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, a self-described life coach, Carmen Baffa, is facing rape and child molestation Baffa? charges oh. in uh, Cobb County, Georgia. The latest charges have filed where police spokesman Cassie Reese says Baffa assaulted four women and a young girl after help, uh, self-help seminars at the Doubletree Hotel. It was a self-help. Uh, people battling some kind of emotional disturbance or some kind of problem would go to him for, for guidance. So he helped himself. I'm just going to help myself to some sex if it's all the same to you. Uh, <laughs> I think Obama's professional credentials were probably obtained online. It looks like something that he obtained online. Well, I mean, I'm going to help myself to that vagina. These oh, assaults right. occurred after seminars. They went to him on a, a personal basis after the seminar. Um, I don't believe any of these incidents occurred during the actual seminar. They have went Somebody to him for notice. some type of private session, and these acts A occurred. private session. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm afraid you need invasive therapy. Then the abrupt closing of a Minnesota bridal shop leaves dozens of brides to be without wedding dresses for that big day. The sign on the door of Lori's Bridal and Formal Wear in Cold Spring says... This business is closed due to the economy. Cold Spring Police Chief Phil Jones says their phones have been ringing off the hook ever since this happened. We've taken probably about 100 to 200 phone calls, and they're still coming in nonstop with uh, angry and disappointed brides-to-be. I would... Not a good cross-section of, of Americans to uh, 
have angry at you? I would think that, um, uh, boy, that's the truth, too. You don't want to irritate some woman who's just ramping up for a wedding. Just cut your head off, man. Uh, I would think that the, the, the bridal industry would be a, a recession-proof business. I would, too. What is, okay, off the top of your head, three recession-proof businesses, things that, that stay steady regardless of economic boom or bust. Supermarkets, always. I would say... People must eat. I would say liquor stores. Mm-hmm. What about hardware stores? Maybe hardware stores might actually do better in a recession because people do some of their own work. work Yeah, do your own work around the house. Uh, And I would say... uh, An automotive shop. Cars always break down. They have to be fixed right away. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. You've got to do that. Um, And... Lottery tickets. I was going to say any form of gambling. Did you see that thing in the front of the Oregonian today that... I didn't get a chance to read... The entire uh, the entire story, but it was something. It was either today or yesterday. I think it was the Oregonian where they were talking about. They were. It, I swear to God, it was something about how they believe that a lot of this tax refund is going to go to video poker machines because people because kicker checks somehow. They did some survey where a, a great number of people were using their kicker checks to play the lottery. I don't so, blame them. And I noticed that uh, gas at the Handy Andy's gas station in Southwest is now three ninety nine a gallon. Three ninety nine. Oh. Handy Andy's. By the way, uh, he had to make his own three. I guess he ran out of them. R- Richie's noting, incidentally, that uh, mental health services do really well during a recession. I would imagine that's true as well. No, if you're a shrink, uh, you probably do really well. Uh, you know, when the economy goes into uh, goes into the dumper, that would be that's a that's a good guess, Richie. Well done. Oh, and today's the last day to register to vote. Um, no, I am, but, okay, but, uh, so, I'm registered, but is that for the primary or for the general? Primary. Okay. Well, you know, did we all do the thing of registering, uh, of registering, you know, as Democrats? So yes. that we can So that we can screw yes. with the system? Yes, yes. I did it, but I sort of resented having to do I it. I know, I hate it. I did it kind of grudgingly. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who this? Yeah, this is James. Yep. I just wanted to call and, uh, mention that, um, I went into H&R Block. Uh, about a month or so ago and did my taxes and they didn't they said that I wouldn't get my um, my stimulus check until June well okay but what is your social security number Indian um, the last the two last, digits uh, three three well yeah so that's the thing yeah. right Tim is it yeah so if it's two zero and below then you get it like this one says uh, Sarah, didn't you say it ended in two one your social security number? No, no, I'm between 0 and 20. Okay, because this guy says if her social security number ends in 2-1, she'll receive it no later than May 2nd. Uh, so uh, you can read on the IRS website. Yeah, but... just wrote me, too, though, and he said that he's between uh, 0 and 20, and he hasn't received his either. Ah. Hmm. Well, mm. I spell a rat. I, it, and I'm looking at my bank account, and it's not in there. And that's one of those things where you, like, as much as you really are torn, because as much as you want the money, don't you do this? Whenever there's something like this, you are afraid to pick up the phone and call the IRS, A, because we have such an institutional fear of the IRS, and B, because you have this sort of low-level paranoia, which maybe is not entirely unfounded, that you're going to call and you're going to go, Hey, uh, so I haven't gotten my uh, I haven't got my six hundred dollars yet, and they're gonna go. Okay, let me. What's your name? Uh, Emerson. Five five five. I'm not hiding any money. I don't one, have any one, money. One one zero zero zero, and they're gonna go. Okay, let me just. Oh, oh please hold. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can you stay where you are? Don't attempt to leave your house or flee on foot. Some agents are gonna be gone, and they're gonna come over, and the next thing you know, you're gonna that be all was the first thing shackled up. That's the first thing that occurred to me. I'm like, I don't have any money to hide. It's like, like a cop in your rearview mirror when you know you haven't done anything. You think, do I have heroin in the car? No, I don't. Why would I? But maybe I do. Maybe it's there. I don't know. I better drive really carefully. All right. Uh, well, I would say we'd look into it, sir, but that would be a lie, because what am I going to do? All right. Well, uh, <laughs> cool. thanks. 
Thanks. Bye. See you, my son. One thing we can't do on this program is to help you with the IRS. No. We, we can help with a, with a host of problems, but not that one. No, that's something with which we can offer zero assistance. There's nothing I can do for that. We don't know people who know people in that. Only God can help you now. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, it's my understanding that uh, with the tax refunds. That was okay. Uh, can I just say that's a really uh, that was a really white sounding phrase. Uh, hello, it's my understanding that the IRS. Uh, well, you're, you're understanding that what, sir? Well, I am very white, so let's clarify that. Um, that you they began sending them out on the 28th, and so receive it no later than. But I mean, begin sending them out. It's a direct deposit. They just push a button that says go. If I yeah, begin, if I don't I, know that's if like they, saying I began sending email out last night. You have to press the button. It's there. Yeah, I don't know if it's based on when you filed your tax return or if they start with a zero zero and then work their way up to two zero or how that works. But I mean, if they really could just do it all at once, then why wouldn't they just do everybody that wants? Because of the government, right they're evil. Okay. okay. Cool. Nobody seems to be helping anybody here. No. <laughs> topic I know. I want a definitive answer. No, but you know what we are. Nothing Tim? is being solved here. We're not solving anything. Tim. We're just stirring the pot even more. But you know what we're doing, Tim? Confusing people even more. We, well, that. And making people hate. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're making people hate. Filling them full of hate. <laughs> no, but Tim, we are giving we're giving vent to the frustrations of the common man. Mm-hmm. So, all right, thank I you. Wanted, I also yes. wanted to add that I think accountants probably stay busy all the time. No, that's true, especially in a recession, maybe, because people are doing sort of a, a you know a sort of a, an auditing of oneself to figure out uh, you know how to financially plan. No, well done. All, all right, thank you, my white. friend. Thank you. All right, here's Tim Riley. So let me make one final statement. Uh, you know how many times a day I say that? Mm. Followed by hundreds about of things. This, about okay. this direct deposit thing. It says here, and I'm quoting from the IRS website, if, if your last two Social Security digits are 00 through 20, payments will be transmitted no later than May 2nd. Oh, so you have like three more, well, 30 days has to take April, so you have three more days. Okay. So I wouldn't be worrying about it now. That what? makes me feel a lot better. No later than. All right. We will continue to fan the flames of uh, of discord and civil unrest, though, because it's what we do. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey, please tell me you have a question about a deduction. What? Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. What I was going to say is that, you know, I live <laughs> a, a mere block from, uh, and, and I know we're not bashing, but Handy Anders Auto, I've seen one customer there in, like, two months. Oh, I don't it's understand. Most insane gas. Well, he was just talking about it. I don't even think I I don't even think I know where it is. Well, it's in Multnomah Village. I'm sure it's a fine place. Yeah, and the other guy, by the way, that was mentioning that I'm very white, I might add. Well, it doesn't matter if you're very white, very black, very brown. The IRS is going to find you. <laughs> they find, that's one thing the government does. They find people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. I want to go to a place called Handy Andy's just because of the name. And There's this, a Handy Andy's in uh, Bremerton. Is it a chain? No, it just it's a like a dinky little gas station. Can I tell you this? For some reason when I when I hear the name Handy Andy, I picture that talking white glove from the hamburger helper ad. I don't know why. With the red nose, he goes Row! or whatever or he whatever noise he makes. Here's Tim Riley. There used to be a Handy Andy that hosted a cartoon show. Maybe that's what I'm back in New England. Of. All right, there you go. I'm On this TV station that went out of business, they couldn't they couldn't pay their electric bills, so they just unplugged Handy Andy's lights right in the middle of the cartoons. <laughs> Goodbye, kids. All right. Uh, so Handy Andy is uh, a service station in Monoma Village in Southwest. So if you want to pay three ninety nine a gallon, that's where you go. Everybody's going to be paying it sooner or later, so you might as well you might as well get get started on it now. And it looks like he washes your windows too. Right. And nobody really? else does that. Is that true? It, it, there's a picture of good is for that Handy Andy. The fellow I with, hope it the is. The fellow with no teeth. I hope that's Andy. <laughs> you know, when is the last time you went someplace and they washed your windshield while you were getting gas? 
There's a place in uh, Tennisborn that does that. There is one place in Southeast that does it. Uh, it's the place uh, on the corner of 39th and Powell, directly across from the Safeway. I forget what it is. I think it's a shell station or something. Uh, but I was there the other day, and the guy's like, "Wash your windshield, sir." And I actually, and, and I, I actually said no because I just sort of given it, a, 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 given it a scrubbing, and I didn't need it. Uh, but I was, but it was pretty. It was kind of impressive. That's, and it's hard to believe that there was a time when that happened all the time. You would go to get your gas, and the guy would like fill your tires and check your oil and wash your windshield, like just because. So that is sort of a bygone chapter in American history. Speaking of that, I remember back when there were contests at gas stations. They gave you these scratch-up little tickets to win little prizes. I don't remember that. Yeah, really? In the 70s. All right. Mobile used to do that. Do they still give you things with fill-ups? Like if you they don't up? give you anything anymore. <laughs> they give you a rogering. <laughs> oh, they'll give it to you, all right. <laughs> Come bend right over, they'll give it to you. <laughs> Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, so the sad news is, but not totally unexpected, that Richard Quest has embarked on a course of drug rehabilitation. Ooh. Uh, yes, uh, CNN issued a statement today confirming that Quest, a familiar face on the network, actually I can't see it because I haven't seen him in ages. We actually should have asked, we should have asked Lisa Desjardins about it. He has entered a drug rehabilitation facility on the orders of a judge. At this time, CNN's primary concern is for his health and well-being. We look forward to Richard returning to CNN International. A CNN spokesman declined to speculate on whether uh, Quest will return you know, to the network he joined in 2001. You know, F that. I mean, I'm not advocating that one abuses one's body with drugs or alcohol, but he seems to be a fully functioning drug user. I resent that Richard Quest is having to go to rehab. I'm going to say that right here on the air. He seems to be, he seems like he's making it work. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, you know, he was in, he was in the park after, after hours, but it's not like that's really like a jailable or violent offense in any way. He is described in a London tabloid as a kind of manic nerd with a head for figures and a voice like Yuna, struggling to impersonate Barry White. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. It doesn't. That was an explanation somebody had sitting in a drawer that they were just dying to use about somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, this email says, hey, uh, about the tax question. Maybe, as Tim mentioned a while ago, there are separate groups. I would guess the first group would be single mothers with snot-nosed babies, followed by married couples who can't afford to pay their mortgage, and so on. So unless Sarah falls into the above-mentioned categories, you'll have to wait for your money. All right. Here's, uh, <sighs> after that will be uh, the saber-rattling old people who are standing outside a buffet and screaming. Here's Tim Riley. Well, here's a happy little story from Orlando, Florida. From, oh, damn it. In your face. No, I think I have the Florida sound. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't hear it. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a little bit after the fact, Rick. I'm just saying. From where? Excellent. Just like old times. Here's Tim Riley. A 21-year-old accused of making a bomb threat at downtown Disney that prompted the evacuation of busy planet Hollywood claims he is the devil. I scared a lot of people, but I think I did it for the better good, said Jason Davis. Yes, I think I'm the devil. I have the mindset of a devil, but, I mean, I'm a good guy trying to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Davis was recently fired from Planet Hollywood in downtown Disney and had returned to the business Monday looking for his job back. When he was denied, uh, officers said Davis threw his backpack on the ground and told management it contained an explosive device. I said, I hope it is a bomb because this earth deserves to die today. After the bag uh, was uh, detonated, it was determined to contain only his personal items. He was arrested and charged with making bomb threats. Uh, Davis is a security risk if he returns to Disney World. Excellent. That according to, to uh, guess who, Local6.com. Fantastic. He's 21 years old. He looks like he's, uh, well, he looks pretty bad. I don't see who else is going to hire him. Do we have, uh, just because I want to make sure that we do get to it at some point today, the Austria story? I do. 
Why don't you let me let me do this while you look for that? But I have I'm gonna get a quick cup of coffee. This version of the popcorn song sounds strangely Soviet to me. Doesn't it seem like sort of like you can sort of see like soldiers sort of That's what I was thinking too. Goose stepping through Red Square as Joseph Stalin looks down approvingly and nods. And, and pushing missiles, <laughs> pushing missiles with, but with like with circus animals alongside of it, some mm -hmm. sort of a some sort of a jolly mayday formation, sort of a. Right. I think of those creepy like the clown people at the Portland Clown House, all like walking and doing. Have you ever seen the? No, I don't know what the Portland Clown House. They all have like the really tall bikes and they dress like clowns and they're kind of crazy. No, why would anybody do that? I don't know. I have no idea. All right, here's Tim Riley. So we're getting updates on this story every moment. Uh, the evil father, who locked up his daughter in a cellar for 24 years and fathered her seven children, was pictured on a boy's holiday in Thailand in 1990s. These are so creepy, these photos. Mm -hmm. So this, uh, just in case you were... Where are these photos? Just joining us, Tim, where are you seeing these? Uh, this story? Uh, this is london.co.uk. This is the latest update. You'll, you'll find other pieces of the story so, there. So if you go to thisislondon.co.uk. Oh, this is London, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, .co.uk. I mean, it's the front page story. Like, yeah. it's the biggest story in, in Europe. It's one of the biggest stories in America. Uh, you, I mean, you won't have to look hard for the story. You'll see it right on the front page. Joseph Fritzl is believed to have stockpiled food in the dungeon where Elizabeth and her three children were being held. The four were expected to survive alone for up to two weeks until he returned. Snaps of the electrical engineer enjoying himself were made public for the first time today. So he's a rotund fellow. He's a smiling jailer, it says here. So the uh, this is, uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. So the, the real brief backstory on this is that, and it's so hard. I, well, the original story is, it, yeah. uh, police have found a woman missing since 1984 who told authorities that her father had kept her in a dungeon for almost 24 years. And she had given birth to seven children after being repeatedly raped by him. Oh, my God. Okay, but, that, but that's not even... The, I mean, that's... In 1996, that in 1996, she gave birth to twins, but one died several days because it was, uh, it was not appropriately cared for. Her father then apparently removed the corpse from the cellar and burned it. Uh, the woman is greatly disturbed. I can't find this. Um, now, uh, let's see. The three boys and three girls range from age from 5 to 20... One of the children, a 19-year-old woman, was being hospitalized in serious condition. So apparently three of the kids lived with the parents and three were left in the, the dungeon. So go do this. Go to news.google.com. Uh, so go to Google News. And then on, in the world section, okay. you'll see when it says inside Joseph Fritzl's cellar dungeon. Yes. That's the story. So the So he is married, right? He's married. He has kids. One of the girls who was last photographed, I think, in 1985, mm -hmm. when she was 16, he builds this whole secret duplicate house underground that you can... What? Seriously. That okay. you can That you can only access through a hidden miniature door in his kitchen. His wife, the whole time, never knows it's there. So the deal is, this guy, over the course of many years, builds a whole duplicate house underground with two bedrooms, a bathroom, and a, and a kitchen, and a living area, where he keeps his daughter imprisoned for 24 years, 
and has seven children with her. And there's a map of the underground house that he built and a bunch of photographs, and it's like the freakiest thing the you have ever... Tiny rooms decorated with pictures and personal belongings. Mm -hmm. Did you... Does it have the photos? Yes. And does it have the map? The map is especially creepy because it shows how you get into the dungeon via a secret door in the kitchen, and it shows that among the features of the secret underground house is a soundproof room reinforced with concrete that was used for God knows what. Now, he raised three of the children with his 60-year-old wife, Rosemary, while the remaining three live with their mother behind the steel security door in the basement. Apart from 42-year-old Elizabeth, he and Rosemary had another six children of their own, now all grown up, making him the father of 14. Uh, details have emerged of a second house owned by him a mile away. It, too, has an excavated cellar uh. with a stone bath and a three-foot hacksaw on the wall. Uh... The man police described as dynamic, bossy, and uh, an authority figure faced up to 15 years, of, only 15 years what? in prison. I, I mean, it's I, I'm, and I feel like we're not even uh, doing justice justice to this because, like, how could you? Because the story is just so unbelievably crazy. The youngest of the freed children, five-year-old Felix, uh, told Kara's of his joy at the simple pleasure of riding in a car after spending his entire life underground. He never, they never saw the light of day, really. No, this, at all. this one girl was kept in this, and and the weird thing is, it wasn't from birth. He, there's a photograph. I wish I could find a story that I found that I was reading this morning. The the story that I read this morning had kind of the, the most easy-to-understand explanation. It had the simplest map to look at. Because there was a photo... It's, it's also on here. This is London.co.uk. This is further down the article. Uh, okay, so that may be the one I'm thinking of. So and, Rosemary, the wife, accepted her husband's explanation that Elizabeth, the girl, the daughter he had locked up, had run off to general religious cult at the age of 18. So over the intervening years, he dumped three babies on their doorstep with notes saying the child could not cope. So these babies he put on his own doorstep for some reason, and his wife agreed. So at, when the when the daughter is 16, I just, I just take this one step at a time. So he spends all, God knows how long it took him to build this secret duplicate house underground that you could only get through like, through like a tiny clown door in the kitchen mm -hmm. that he told his wife was an electrical panel. So he spends however long building this secret house underground that you get through you know, like a secret panel in the kitchen. He, the daughter at 16, I guess he decides is old enough. One day he sticks her down in the basement and locks her up, tells the wife she's run away. And then over the next 24 years, has seven kids with this daughter who is living underground in a secret house. So he's still married to the woman. Right. To the wife. But this is his old, the oldest daughter. Yeah. And he... Who he said ran away to join the religious But cult. really, he had grabbed her one night and stuffed her in this secret soundproof underground house that he built underneath his real home. And so she still had three brothers and sisters. That were sort of above. in the outside world, no, I guess. Those were her children. With him? Yes. It's so confusing. I'm so confused. All right. And Please. I know that he impregnated the daughter, and she would have babies. And as you said, he would take the babies and, like, in the dark of night, leave them on his own front porch. With notes. With notes, as though they had been dropped off by people who wanted he and his wife to take them in, when secretly it is like a baby he'd had with the daughter who's he, he's got chained up downstairs. It's, it's so insane. And... I keep going back to the photographs. There was this one that shows photographs of the bedroom and the and the bathroom downstairs. Um, and then one that shows like a blueprint of the entire... That's the thing I can't wrap my brain around, is the fact that he built like a duplicate house downstairs. How long would... I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to do that. No. I would have no knowledge how to do that. Um, and then there's all these photographs of him on vacation 
you know, like off, uh, whatever, like off on vacation, like with his family or whatever, his real, you know, his upstairs family. Meanwhile, like the daughter is living for 24 years in this, in this alternate house downstairs. I mean, it's, it's just like so insane as to defy description. Yeah. And it's in Austria, of course. Mm-hmm. So. so is she an only child? See, that's what I can't figure out is how many kids did he and the wife have? Now I've lost count. I mean, that's the, that's what I mean. It's like I, I saw one, one version of the story. Okay, that had apparently, a apparently there is a son by Rosemary. It says one of the sons by Rosemary. And so, and the son is out, obviously, just like living his life. Mm-hmm. And everybody buys this story that the daughter had run away to join a cult. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, of course, she's really secretly living in this, like, crazy clown house. You're right. So this, yeah, th- th- are you at the new, uh, this is London, Sarah? Oh, no. I'm going to send you the link. This is yes, please do. Tim I'm having to- a hard time finding Tim it. Tim found it. This is the one, I, this is the story that I saw this morning that has this insane, freakish map of this underground house. Okay, and I have a good link from CNN, too, that my friend David just sent me. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's uh, Gamdrew. Hello, what's up? Um... So I had a question about how the babies were being delivered. Did, did they it. go to the hospital or did no, he, he delivered them? So he delivered, he delivered the, them. He yeah. delivered the kids himself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, um, I guess that's a testimony to home delivery. I guess. Anyway. Um, Thank also, you. All right. And. Okay. And uh, what was it? No, oh, I lost it. Never mind. Thank you. Thank all you. right. So. So, yeah, if you go to... Uh, uh, all right, here we go. This is London.co.uk. So, yeah, there's all these pictures of him on vacation. and that then horrible. And then, so, yeah, you look at these photos, and there's um, a shot of the... One of the bedrooms and, like, a little corridor, and then there's a shot of the um, the secret door, which I guess was in his garage, apparently, mm-hmm. is where it was. Right. Then he told his wife it was an electrical panel, but really secretly, it was like this three-foot-high door in his garage that led down into, again, this completely alternate house he had built. Uh, I'll post this on my website, by the way, so you can see this, because this link I found really is like the definitive one. So the ceiling's only five and a half feet high. And then underground, there is a living area, a bathroom, bedroom number one, bedroom number two, and then I'm quoting now, a padded room insulated with foam for soundproofing. And, you know, so I, you know, let your, I guess, imagination fill in what that might be for. Um, and then right at the bottom of this article is a picture of Elizabeth, who is the daughter that he held for 24 years. And the caption, is, and she, it's her when she's 15, says, Elizabeth, age 15, in the last picture before she vanished. Now 42 years of age, she has spent more than half her life in her parents' cellar, being forced to father her own father's children. So, I, I mean, it's just, like, so staggeringly creepy. You just can't even get your head around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's like off the charts creepy. This is what I, I meant yesterday when I said it was like some weird CSI fever dream. So, and wasn't wasn't the Austria where they had some other? Wasn't there some other story like this about six, seven, eight months ago uh, about some some couple or some guy that had a woman, a girl living in like in a secret dungeon below his kitchen or something for like a year and a half or eight years or something? So, anyway, so there you go. So I'll put this link on my website so you can see it. But it's just, it's just the weirdest thing. I mean, I it, it's one of those stories that just staggers the imagination. And the story does have a good point. I mean, how would he get it by his wife 
for 24 years that he's bringing food and everything to the garage. It just seems a little weird. And he has a construction project going on that she knows nothing about. (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, so the wife either. You've got to be a little daffy. That's the thing is it's like one of those things. Like, does the wife either secretly, and I'm not saying, but does she secretly know? Does she not know? Does she choose not to know? And I think in a lot of these cases where there's a husband who's some sort of master super creepy criminal, it's that thing where the wife just sort of like. Knows something. Yeah, the wife knows something is weird. Like, um, I know this is not analogous, but if you see this interview that uh, Brian Wilson's mother did sometime before she died, uh, there's uh, Brian Wilson, of course, grew up in a household where uh, Marie Wilson was not a, a good guy and, you know, beat Brian with a two by four and, you know, knocked out his hearing in one ear and um, made him feces. Yes, that as well. And so there's this interview in this documentary called I Just Wasn't Made for These Times where the interviewer asks Brian Wilson's mother, like, so, hey, what about all this beating of your child and all this horrific punishment? And the wife just goes, well, Brian and Murray um, got along sometimes, but uh, it seems like there was some tension there. I just don't, uh, I don't really know much about that. And you can tell that she has just willed herself into not knowing, uh, that she just, just, in her mind, just turned off uh, the section of her brain that would kind of know what was going on there. And so you wonder if maybe that's what they were... Because, uh, I, look, I, I couldn't build an outhouse if you put a gun to my head. And this guy has built, like, his whole underground secret living area. And the idea that, yeah, it would take construction, it would take supply... Clearly, it would make noise, I would think. Tim, you're a homeowner, you've built things. Yes. Don't you think it would make some sort of a racket to be it building would. this? Uh so, in any event. There's a good t- yeah, timeline on uh, CNN.com. Of, of the building of the dungeon Of the timeline from, yeah, from 1977 to uh, April 29th. Yeah. And, and you said, Tim, that he had, he owned another house across town where the yeah. basement had also been excavated. Uh-huh. <gasps> so we'll find more stuff there. Uh, Eventually. Jesus. Who oh. knows what this guy was up to. Maybe he just had an eye on the future. Mm-hmm. So she was writing, so they were receiving letters from her saying that those were her children. Uh, well, oh, this is in 2000. Okay, so I guess that he would drop the babies off in the front porch and claim that they had sort right, of so been left there. Yeah. A, a baby, nine-month-old Lisa, is left on the doorstep of the house with a letter asking Joseph and his wife to look after her. Ninety-four, another child, Monica, arrives with a similar note. Ninety-six, she gives birth to twins, but one dies. Ninety-seven, Alexander, the surviving twin, is moved upstairs to join the rest of the family. Okay, see, so what now, does that even okay, mean? Okay, now well, what is that? I sent you guys that link. But that's weird, then. Yeah. So the daughter has twins at one point. One of the kids dies, and I guess the dad just gets rid of the body. The other kid comes upstairs to join the family, though. That does, is moved upstairs to join the rest of the family. What does that mean? Well, that means the wife had to know. Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. I mean, it's just always make my brand explode. I, that's what I mean. It's like there's, I, I can't even. It's almost pointless to talk about it, except to say that it's just blowing my mind. So, anyway, I'm going to post the link right now. We'll uh, we'll move on because I, there's really not much else you can really say about this because it's just. This is like I'm going to have to wait for like the rest of the media and law people to do all the work and then just tell us what happened because it's just too much to think about. Here's Tim Riley. Sam, did you know that M&M's is buying Wrigley's favorite gum? Is it uh, the Mars Company? Yes. Yeah. Makers of M&M have agreed to buy William Wrigley Jr.'s company for $23 billion. That's a lot of gum. And apparently they employ 2,000 people in Chicago and about 16,000 worldwide. Their headquarters is a city landmark in Chicago. The company has been independent since its foundings in the late 1800s by William Wrigley Jr. Mars is the world's largest chocolate maker. Now, is Wrigley, does Wrigley uh, gum, do they own Wrigley Field? I mean, that sounds dumb, but it's like the Staples. Yeah, I don't know. There's the, the Staples Center in L.A., and there's the Office Max Center, wherever. 
Susan I, would know. She's from Chicago. Yeah, I wonder if that, because people complain about, you know, these days they put advertising on everything, even arenas. It's just not right. But I think Wrigley Field is like the Wrigley Chewing Gun Company. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Petco Field in San Diego? Is there, I wonder what that's named after. Is there a Petco Field? Yeah, there is. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, I was reading that Raised on Radio book, and there's that whole chapter about advertising. And as much as people like to claim that advertising now is is just rampant that sudden somehow it's just you know it's crazy that there's advertising on everything now. No, they would go on with, with commercials within the dialogue of radio shows for like five or ten minutes. Say, Rochester, get me a lucky strike. Uh, and well, and they would have like the Pepsodent uh, singers, yeah. uh, you know, and the Lucky Strike Mystery Hour. So I mean, we actually have much less advertising now in some ways than we used to. Here's the thing, by the way, about the M&M Mars Company. You ever read a, I want to read a fantastic book, read a book called Crisis in Candyland. The M&M Mars Company is freakish, man. They are unnerving. Do you know for the longest time, because they're a privately held company, mm-hmm. so they don't have to make any, any information public, they don't have to tell anybody anything. Do you know for the longest time, the only existing photograph of the chairman of M&M Mars was his high school yearbook photo because they wouldn't allow his photograph to be shown to the public. He was some privacy freak. He wouldn't let anybody take his picture. He wouldn't let it be distributed. So if you were doing a newspaper article on M&M Mars, you had to use this like photograph of the guy when he was about 17. I used to have that book, and there's a great chapter there where they talk about some sixth grader who wrote to the M&M Mars Company asking about the red M&M and the reintroduction of the red M&M, and he got a letter back from the M&M Mars lawyers saying, please do not contact us about you know trade secrets ever again. Please do not contact the company. You know, we, we do not divulge information. If you consist, if persist in contacting us, we will seek a cease, cease and desist restraining order against you. Please let this be the end of the matter. And he was like done it for a book report or something. And they sicked the, the M&MR's lawyer on him. That company's insane. Here's uh, Tim Riley. The governor in northern Saudi Arabia has ordered authorities to punish men who flirt with women in public places by cutting off their hair. Uh, the prince, who is the governor of the northern Al Jaf region, ordered police to carry out the punishment after seeing groups of men with long hair pestering female students as they left school in the northern provinces. It said the prince uh, told a gathering at his palace in the northern town of Sheshka. On Sunday, he had instructed police to apply the punishment for all youths guilty of flirting, including the sons of senior military and civilian officials. This decision does not include men who spend their free time in public areas without hurting anyone. Uh, Saudi Arabia has long imposed strict Islamic lifestyles in which men and women are segregated in public. The lifestyle is enforced by the Commission for the Promotion of Virtue and the Prevention of Vice. <laughs> How's that working out? The country is run by uh, the religious police. Its members patrol public places to make sure women are covered and not wearing makeup. The sexes don't mingle. Shops close five times a day for Muslim prayers. And men go to the mosque and worship. Many clergymen in this conservative country say men should not have long hair because Islam prohibits the sexes from emulating each other. It's just rule upon rule upon rule there. Uh, The new punishment resulted from the repeating pestering of women outside of girls' schools. Nothing a good first strike wouldn't fix, Tim. That's correct. Let's uh, do a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. Just one quick comment about the Austrian thing. Yes. How long do you want to? How long do you think it's going to take before that's a David Fincher movie? That, that, that doesn't it seem though like a thing that is a an aggregation of every serial killing movie, every CSI episode, every true crime book you have ever read in your life rolled into one horrible story? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't think of a movie in recent memory that's more horrible or off-putting than that. Um, so. And by the way, if you want to see it, I did put a link to this. The, this is London Story. It's at rickemerson.com. I put a, a link to this story, which has all of these horrific... I mean, it's all it's safe for work, but it's these photos of him on vacation, and then all of these 
creepy photos of the basement and of the map of the whole secret labyrinth. And now that we were talking about it, I'm sort of obsessed with this notion that they moved the one kid upstairs at some point and the mom, like, still claims she didn't know. So yeah. it just makes no sense. No, you're right, though. It does scream uh, David Fincher all over yeah. it. Well, another quick question. Uh, yeah. This is off the subject, but did you get a chance to take a gander at the worm that burrows in the human's, human eyes on your I posted on your comments on my Yeah, website. I saw that. Thanks so much. Uh, I saw that, and hard as this may be to believe, I chose not to click on it. Ah, damn. All right. Worm that burrows into eye. Let me watch it now. No. Thank you. Uh, this is Bye. disconcerting. Police are desperate to determine how uh, his victims could have been hidden away for so long from the neighbors and everyone else in the town, which has a population of just 23,000. They're examining the padded walls of the cellar to work out whether or not the children's screams could be heard by the neighbors. Uh, but then again, would the children be screaming because they don't know any better? Well, that's the, okay. This is the weird thing about it. I mean, the one weird thing about it. The daughter, Elizabeth, was taken down there when she was 16 and then kept there for 24 years, something like that. And there's only one padded room, which means the rest of it isn't padded, right? Well, yeah, but it's still underground and you know, still behind dirt, which is a great sound insulator. Um, so the one daughter is down there. That's the other thing we haven't even touched on. So the one daughter's kept down there for 21 years. But the other kids, including one who I think was 15, lived literally their entire life underground in this, like, I mean, you can't even, that, that's like some full-on Greystoke uh, stuff there. You can't even put, you can't even put a description on how effed those kids are. I mean, that is effectively like, like living your entire, like your first 15 years in a, in a blackened cube. Uh, just sitting there, you know, we get no interaction with anybody. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I think I can explain how the how they're dropping the kids off because I, I saw this on CNN the other day. Uh, they, what, he, so the story is she ran away to a cult. That's and what they so said he, about the kid, yeah. Yeah, the the story is, yeah, he, that's, that's the story he's telling everybody. And so he's he forced the daughter to write notes saying that she was having, so she's out from this cult having babies. And she can't take care of them, so she drops them off the doorstep. That's that's the story. Oh, I see. So the, so he so the, the the story he is peddling is that the daughter has joined a cult and is having children, and at least she knows she can't take care of them, so she drops them off with her parents. Yes, and so he forces her to write notes to that effect when she's down in the basement. Jesus, and that's, that's how that is working. And I'm looking at this here, and apparently this uh, in his workshop, you would go down from from the kitchen, you would go down the stairs to the cellar. Then from the cellar to a utility room, then from a utility room to a workshop, then into a two by three electronically sealed door that led into this dungeon. So is the workshop that, on the main floor? So they uh, no, the it was top? downstairs. So it was sort of like a downstairs. It looks like into... a pretty big two story house because I'm looking at the picture. It of looks it. like his garage was underground, and so the dungeon was on the same floor level as the garage, basically at basement level, but. They had all, you know, in other words, so the garage was, was below the ground, was below ground level, but there were no surrounding structures, so he just started building out from the garage and put up an electronic door. Jesus. All right, thank you, sir. All right. All right, there you wait, go. Wait, so I don't, wait, explain that to to me again. Well, look at, the, can you see the map? I'm looking at the map, but is, is it different lever, la, like layers? Well, if you look up at the top right, the right, stairs so to show. parallel to the workshop? Yes. So it's not underneath the workshop? The workshop is underground. It's like a basement. It's like a basement garage. And so All basically, right, so just quick, I get it. Because yeah. I was trying to figure out those stairs. So that you go down to the utility room, through the utility room, to the workshop, and then that's where the secret. Yeah, door and is. he just started building out, you know, uh, underground, you know, parallel to uh, the the basement workshop. Yeah. Uh, let's do a couple more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Is this uh, am I on? 
Yes, hello. Hello, sir. Uh, this is uh, Alan Gabrowski, by the way. Please tell me you're calling about the creepy dungeon guy. I am calling about the creepy dungeon <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, of course. Yes, hello. Uh, so I was reading on CNN uh, this morning, and the fact, I don't think you guys have brought it up yet, the guy was an electrical engineer. And oh. so he, he was, you know, an engineering genius, obviously, because he created all this creepy, labyrinthy rooms underneath his house. Right. Well, again, and there's like, and it's sealed electronically, apparently. There's some, ele- which does, and the thing about the electronically sealed door that does maybe on some level indicate his wife didn't know about it, although I guess that would be to keep the kids in as well as to keep her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably. So. Did, uh, did you hear about what happened to the other baby, the, the twin that died? Well, yeah, I guess he just tossed it to the trash or the incinerator no, or something. No, well, he burned it in the oven. Oh, God. All right. Jeez. Sorry hey. to bring that up. Thank you, Alan. Thanks. There you go. All right. Hello, Tim. Hello. Those darn Austrians. It is true. Is there anything they can't warp? All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, Los Angeles pornography companies plan to release a film supposedly showing Jimi Hendrix having sex with two women. According to Vivid Entertainment, the film has no audio allegedly showing Hendrix having sex with two women in a dimly lit bedroom. Uh, Vivid has also released sex tapes featuring, uh, featuring Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee, and uh, that Kim Kardashian girl. Uh, says the tape is authentic and will be offered for sale in stores or to download online. We believe that our due diligence, and as a result, it carefully, uh, it is him, they say. Uh, and if it wasn't him, well, we wouldn't put it out. Somebody who knew Hendrix, who died of drugs in 1970 at the age of 27, disagrees. Uh, one of his girlfriends from the 60s say the man on the couch couldn't be Hendrix. Uh, he wouldn't have allowed anybody to see that. In private, he was very shy and would cover up. That seems highly, that seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A Colorado man accused of spending hundreds of thousands of hours spending, uh, sending spam emails to, well, everyone in the world, has been sentenced to 21 months in prison after pleading guilty to tax evasion and falsifying email headers. I'm not sure what that is. 35-year-old Edward Eddie Davidson of Louisville has been ordered to pay nearly $715,000 to the IRS. He was sentenced yesterday in order to report to prison in May. His operation used false email headers to disguise the sender. Prosecutors say some of the spam was meant to dupe stock investors and manipulate the markets. He made at least $3.5 million uh, sending emails to nearly 20 companies. This uh, email says, uh, here's a couple of them. This guy says, over there, all houses have cellars. This house, this house started out having a cellar, most likely, and the wife wonders why all of a sudden there's not a cellar anymore. Even if he dug the cellar out more, how did he get, this is a good, how did he get rid of the dirt without the wife catching on? She's either in on it or complicit in some way, if you ask me. He says, soundproofing aside, is his wife deaf? No soundproofing can obscure the sounds that children make, especially at childbirth and so on. Um, and it does seem like it, I, I read something in one of these articles where it said that they were told that it, uh, absolutely under no circumstances they were supposed to be in the cellar. And since he was like ruling with an iron fist, they're like basically took his word as the word of God. This person says uh, it's the th- OK. This is what we were speculating earlier, actually, he says it's the third case involving people being locked in cellars uh, in Austria in recent years. Two years ago, a young woman, Natasha Kumpuch, escaped after being held captive in a in a, uh, a secret dungeon house uh, for eight years. 
And then uh, this one says, not to pile on with the poor wife who's supposedly finding out her husband imprisoned and had children with his own daughter, but I cannot understand the logistics of building a duplicate house complete with soundproofing and reinforced concrete using only a tiny door in the kitchen without the wife knowing. This just doesn't even seem possible. I can't even stash a beer in the basement without my wife figuring it out. How unobservant must the wife be? And then here's an interesting question. How do you get a mattress and plumbing through the small hole? Something just doesn't add up, but I guess hoping for rational explanations within this story is a wild goose chase. That's another good question. That is. So there's this tiny uh, door that is two by three, and yet he's supposedly getting all of the equipment to furnish a kitchen, a bathroom, and two bedrooms through the hole. Hmm. It just it makes no sense at all. None. Zero. All right, here's Tim Riley. I'm afraid I can't help you. I know. This is like the, you know what it is? This is like the IRS this story. This is the IRS. IRS. We're, just, we're just sort of thrashing around in this pool of questions to which there are no answers. All right, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. An 84-year-old Florida man is charged with soliciting his neighbor for prostitution. Joseph Fabrizio went to his neighbor's house and offered to help her financially. The report said he offered her $100, but when she reached for it, he grabbed her and refused to let her go, saying... What would you do for $100? They continue to make advances uh, before leaving. He was later arrested at his house, charged with battery and soliciting somebody for prostitution. Uh, then we have a 17-year-old uh, Talmadge High School football player placed on probation for one year, ordered to undergo psychiatric counseling after an attack on a younger teammate at the school. Uh, Joseph Underwood was found guilty last month of juvenile delinquency, charges of rape and hazing in connection with the Institute. Uh, turned to face the 16-year-old victim and his family in court. So uh, this is that football hazing thing. All this football hazing still goes on in these high schools. So getting back to uh, Barack Obama, because we haven't talked about him in a few minutes. Uh, so he says, he doesn't speak for me, he doesn't speak for my campaign. That's what uh, Barack Obama says about uh, Jeremiah Wright. I have said before, and I'll repeat again, uh, that you know, what some of the comments the Reverend Wright have made... Uh, offend me, and I understand why they've offended the American people. Wow, you know, every time he turns on the news and he sees Jeremiah Wright giving, like, in front of a microphone somewhere, he's just got to be shaking his head and just feeling some sort of weird political vertigo. Uh, yes, yeah, so now Wright says his faith and his sermons have nothing to do with Barack Obama. And on January 21st, I'll still be a pastor. As I said, this is not an attack on Jeremiah Wright. It has nothing to do with Senator Obama. It is an attack on the black church launched by people who know nothing about the African-American religious tradition. By the way, so this guy continues to become unglued. <laughs> I mean, he does seem to be going crazy-er, doesn't he? Yep. Did you see this thing from Al Sharpton? Uh, where Sharpton said, um, said that Obama is grandstanding in front of white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, um, another guy who's always crazy. Uh, the source said Sharpton had hoped Obama would, oh, this is because of that, uh, the, the Sean Bell shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, said so he was hoping Obama would send it to the Bell family and not use it as an opportunity to grandstand in front of white people. So, maybe, uh, Jeremiah Wright is, uh, maybe his goal is to become the new Al Sharpton. Uh, he is defending his sermons. To quote the Bible, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever you sow, that you also shall Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You cannot do terrorism on other people and expect it never to come back on you. Those are biblical principles, not Jeremiah Wright bombastic divisive principles. You can be a crazy man if you have the word reverend in front of your name. <laughs> we should all become reverends on this program. Seriously. That's all. Can you do that? Is it is still that thing in the back of Rolling Stone where you could just like send away for a doctor of divinity degree for like $9? I would imagine so. You totally do that. Because you're right. It doesn't matter what you're mouthing, what sort of insanity is coming out of your mouth. You say reverend. Uh, Richie, is that true? Richie said he's an ordained minister. 
I shouldn't. That shouldn't I believe that. Yeah, I really. Um, no, but you can. Any, any of us could be. You can spew just the most insane crap. But if you say reverend, people not only have to take you seriously, but they have to be polite to you while they're doing it. All right. It, it, you know, it's like when you failed at everything else, you might as well start a, start a church. <laughs> there is nothing left. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. What a weird hey, day. Hi. I, I was just calling about that Austria thing. Of I think somebody. I know. I know. Uh, I think somebody had mentioned uh, the other girl that had been uh, hidden in a dungeon away in a basement. Yeah. That um, somebody had snagged her, like, on her way to school and then hid her for, like, 20-something years. That was least... a couple years ago, and she was kept for eight years, and I think and I think in that case the wife was in on it. I may be wrong about that. I, I think that guy, I'm pretty sure that guy was, like, a, a bit of a loner kept to himself, you know. <laughs> a quiet man. <laughs> yeah. Neighbor said he never caused a fuss. Yeah, exactly. It, it, he just, uh, at least he had the decency. He threw himself in front of a train as soon as he heard that she had escaped. Like, she she got to, like, the cops, and he saw it on the news and said, well, I'm done. And it, just, you know. It does seem <laughs> like Austria does uh, uh, contribute more than its share of crazies to the world. I will say that. Yeah, they're kind of scrambling right now. I heard their their tourism minister was like, no, no, don't worry. Come to Austria. It's okay. You're safe. No, no, no. It's fine. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, this guy says, um... Uh, here's another one. He says, how can you cart all, all the dirt and debris that you're dredging without anybody noticing? Even if the wife n was in on it. Didn't they do that in The uh, the Great Escape? When, and, when the prisoners were trying to escape from the Nazi camp. And in the Shawshank Redemption, where, uh, you know, Andy Dufresne was carrying the wall of his jail cell out into the yard. But even if the wife was in on it, like, the town would, you know, like, where do you hide enough dirt to create a whole alternate house? And here's another guy that says, yeah, pregnant women, you can hear them for miles. And then this is the creepiest thing. Just when he thought that, just when he thought nobody could make a creepy observation, he says, "I swear, if this turns out to be like some god awful M Night Shyamalan thing where the whole town is in on it, I'm moving to Mars." <laughs> Jesus, that'll be the thing. Can you? I mean, I can't even fathom how un no. how unglued that story will become if it turns out that anybody else knew about it. If or all of the neighbors saw him digging all the. Oh. Well, we just saw him carting out a lot of dirt, but we thought maybe he was a gardener. Uh, or or if it'll be one of those. Um, you know, occasionally you'll get a story like this where you, they'll interview some neighbor who said, well, occasionally I'd hear some screaming, but I just thought he was watching action movies at an elevated level of volume. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, the rock and roll band, the Coldplay, is giving back to its fans. Uh, the Grammy Award-winning group will allow visitors to its website and to download its new single, Violent Hill, for free. Or that... Violet Hill, doesn't matter. Uh, the offer will expire in one week. Coldplay has also announced two free concerts, one in New York and one in London. Violet Hill is off of Coldplay's new album, Viva La Vida or Death to All My Friends. Due to hit stores January 17th. Download it, won't you? I think Madonna's album comes out today also. Uh, oh, today is Tuesday, isn't it? Yes. Oh, and the, new, and the new Wednesday 13 album comes out today, so I'm all very excited about that. All right. Fantastic. Let's do one more. We'll take a break here. How about a penis watch? How about a penis watch? Here's your penis watch for uh, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. This comes to us from China. A restaurant in China is trying to lure in male customers seeking increasing sexual potency by serving a variety of animal penis dishes. A 21-year-old waitress, identified only as Lucy, 
said the restaurant in Beijing was selling culinary items filled with animal penises and testicles. <laughs> Based on ancient Chinese beliefs. Is it an ancient Chinese secret, Tim? Yes. For thousands of years, Chinese medicine has used animal penises to cure kidney and erection problems. Uh, but if you want uh, something that works uh, faster, we have a wine that contains extracts of heart, penis, and blood from a deer. It'll take effect within 30 minutes. Uh, the manager of the penis restaurant says uh, <laughs> the items range from uh, star-shaped ox penises the special items such as tiger penises. I don't like to think about a star-shaped penis. Well, to earn the right to eat the genitalia of endangered species, one must first apply for a special membership card and pay handsomely. I like the idea that it simultaneously is for impotence and also for kidney problems. Mm -hmm. I'd like to sit up, but my kidneys are stiff as a board. I'm sorry. I just, uh, it's not going to work. All right, there's your penis watch. Let's take a break. Take Come a back. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Later on, Richie Bristol talks like a white man. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. I take a look at my enormous penis. Everything is going my way. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. 503-733-2970. Uh, Don't forget, just over two weeks away from Rick Emerson Listener Party 11. Emerson's 11 and happening Thursday, May 15th, 8 p.m. The Crystal Ballroom uh, featuring music by Nickel Arcade, Emerson Starship, the Rick Emerson uh, Roast featuring Roastmaster Carl Click, uh, roasters including Storm Large, Peter Carlin, Byron Back, Sarah Dillon, and more. Uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Now, time just keep, keeps marching on toward that. Yes, I'm it? so... That's okay. You know, I haven't started working on mine. Really? Uh, let's see. Uh, Aaron, as he always... Aaron weighing in again from the office at which he does a staggering amount of work. He does. Um, he says, uh, how do you help... He says, what do you do with this house? How the hell do you sell this property? Can you imagine trying to market this home later on? Uh, he said, if you, would you even want it? If so, what do you do with it? Well, they'll probably just bulldoze it. I mean, that's what they do with all of these places. I think that's what they do with... Um, who's the guy in the... How are they going to get a bulldozer down there? No, I, but they would just fill it in or something, I guess. Oh, I guess they could. What do they do? Who's the guy in Milwaukee? Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think they just... Uh, because the, the PD... Buy this. When I was auditioning for that gig in, uh, in Wisconsin, the program director... This maybe, maybe this contributed to the fact that they didn't give me the job. When the PD picks me up at the airport, he said, hey, while you're in Wisconsin, there's something you want to see. And I, I guess I could have picked any number of landmarks, any number of historical places. What are places. the landmarks of Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Well, there, there really is just the uh, beer. The, there's there's the, the Schatz Brewing Factory from Laverne and Shirley, and there's the Jeffrey Dahmer House. Uh, and so he picks me up at the airport. And he says, so, Rick, while you're here uh, auditioning for a job, I don't even remember the call letters on W blah, 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 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, is there anything you would like to see? And so I immediately, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's house, which uh, perhaps painted me in the wrong uh, light, like from, from yeah, Go. Yeah, that's creepy. Was that one of your topics while you were there auditioning for that? Job? No, I, I chose not to dwell. Uh, for my two days of audition, I chose not to dwell on the fact that there was a, a serial killer who uh, cooked the brains of his victims. Um, but I did ask to drive by the house, which is sort of disappointing because just, it's just a vacant lot at this point. Uh, they just knocked it down and bulldozed it, and they, it's, just, it's just like a dirt uh, lot at this point. You can't really tell anything was there, which I think, I was talking to Susan Reynolds because she, she's from Chicago, and she lived there when John Wayne Gacy 
You know, when they found oh, the, thir- yeah. the 33 kids in John Wayne Gacy's basement, mm-hmm. and um, because a clown can get away with anything. And I think it's the same deal where they knocked down the house, filled in the basement, and just paved over it, and it's just like a parking lot or something now. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, pay heed to your personal Savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So members of that Australian family have had an astonishing meeting. The daughter, most of her children, all met together at a clinic where they've been uh, getting psychiatric treatment and counseling. It was astonishing how easily it happened, how the mother and the grandmother came together. Uh, The family members interacted naturally, even though the three children lived upstairs with the grandparents had never met their siblings in the windowless cell downstairs. Uh, One of the children who was receiving medical treatment at another hospital was not part of the gathering. Word of the reunion came as police announced that the DNA uh, test confirmed that Fritzy is the biological father of the six surviving children he had with his daughter. Uh, Uh, Okay, I have so many questions, and I know that as they're cropping up in my head, we have answers to none of them. So... They met together. So the the kids who lived upstairs and the kids who lived in the windowless room downstairs all met together. Right, upstairs, downstairs, they all get together. I wonder if this this sounds a little bit like spin, though, uh, from from maybe like the Austrian government or police trying to make everything sound a little bit better than it is. A little happy family reunion. No, 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 they're having triskets. Uh, a buffet. I can't even... It seems like you would just be like in a loony bin for years uh, trying to get this all sorted out in your head. You're some kid who's born, lives his entire life like in a small windowless room. never seen the outside. Yeah, seriously, you've never seen the sun. You wouldn't even know what the sun was. Well, no, they would because they had a TV and radio. Oh, is that true? They had they could see the sun on TV. They had electronic media. Yeah, I read like they they were informed about because uh, the police were trying to find exactly why the daughter was sick. Well, okay, so here's this leads into my question. How was this discovered? How did this one of the one of the girls had to go to the doctor? One of the girls who lived downstairs. Yes. So she was sick. The dad took her to the hospital, mm-hmm. and this just unraveled as things went on. And they said, "Hello, little girl. Where do you live?" She yes. said, "In I a hole, cramped basement cell, <laughs> with a narrow passageway leading to a tiny bedroom. <laughs> I live. It in a... has a keyless entry system." I live in a sex, keep me from escaping. A sex dungeon behind an electronic door. Right, on, on CNN it says uh, the mother, the daughter, Elizabeth, begged Joseph to take her to a hospital, which she did. Joseph told the wife that the missing daughter had dropped off uh, an ailing person on the doorstep with a note asking that they get her medical care. They took her to the cl- town's clinic with the note, but the doctors needed more information, so they contacted the police. Elizabeth and her two sons saw the reports on the TV provided to them in their 100-square-foot living quarters. Well, that's got to be weird. If you're living in the basement and suddenly you're seeing news reports about it, uh, I'm still back on this business of how the one daughter downstairs has twins, one of whom dies and he disposes of the body, and the other one he somehow brings upstairs to live with the family. Mm-hmm. Like, where did he tell the wife that the twin came from? Probably in another baby basket. <laughs> Maybe this time they dropped off a six-year-old. It's the darndest thing. Uh, this guy says, Rick, too bad the story from Austria wasn't happening a few months ago. You could have written the guy and found out how to get your big purple couch into your basement. That is true. That's too soon, sir. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Bud the Cat is okay after being struck in a drain pipe for some four days. Yes, Bud the Cat is back home safe and sound after spending more than four days stuck in the drain pipe in the family yard in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Doug disappear, uh, Bud disappeared a week ago and the family searched high and low, nearly giving up hope. But over the weekend, uh, apparently she, the woman was gardening, she heard a faint meow. The neighbor contractor, plumber, and the fire department 
resume the search. Finally, Doug Rogers of Rotorudo was summoned, and he and his team dropped a fiber optic camera into a 100-foot, 6-inch drain pipe, and there was Bud staring back at him. Some digging and sawing, and Bud was finally freed, none the worse for wear. Although a couple of pounds lighter and more than four days without food and water, but Bun will be okay. Oh. That's a water skiing squirrel. <laughs> oh, did I tell you that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in a new popular movie? It's called Iron Man. It took comic book heroics in a major studio with lots of clout. But when Iron Man debuts in the movie theaters this week, Robert Downey Jr. will have completed a round trip from showbiz boy wonder to fallen star and back again. So I guess this comes out this week. I guess it opens uh, either Thursday or Friday, and I, I'm not uh, tremendously excited about it just because I'm not I'm not a, a huge comic book fan, and I'm kind of interested in the backstory uh, in in this with the Tony Stark backstory, but the actual action sequences. I think I'm just I don't know whether it's uh, I don't I don't know whether it's because I'm of a certain age and so I've seen a billion action films and so it sort of is less impressive now, or just because with the advent of CGI action sequences are no longer impressive because you don't have to really worry. You can show anything you want. And so as a result, it's not really all that stunning. But I'm just, I'm not all that pumped up for Iron Man. I did read a really interesting story that said that they think, because I think Grand Theft Auto 4 comes out today. Richie, is that true? Grand Theft Auto 4, is it today that it, that it comes out? I'm not, the Grand Theft Auto series is not, it's like the Godfather game or, you know, it, it, I just, it's not a style of game that I'm tremendously interested in. Last night at midnight, yeah, so Grand Theft Auto 4 came out, and they expect Grand Theft Auto 4 to be actually so huge and such a big hit that it may, in fact, uh, depress the box office for Iron Man, because a lot of the same guys who would be going to see Iron Man are just going to be at home driving around Liberty City driving over prostitutes or something. Really? It sold five... The, the, wait, hold on. Did we, it sold 5,000? Hold on. We have to... Let's... Before we do anything else, let's... Uh... Right here... I don't know how else you want me to get him into the room, Kara. I have my bell. You can't ring a bell for an Asian man. That just seems wrong. Why? What's wrong with Asian men? Nothing. Hello, Richie. You don't want nothing? Hi, how are you? Housekeeping. (laughs) (laughs) I would think an Asian man would own the house. Oh, okay. Then use others to do his housekeeping. Okay. Moving forward. (laughs) uh, What is this? Asian women, clean your house. Wow. And apparently pluck your eyebrows. Oh yeah, so we never we never pursued the business of you uh, having your eyebrows shaped. We'll get to that at another time. Uh, so what is it when you said five thousand copies in Portland? Is that five thousand sold or available? No, there was five thousand available last night. Supposedly they'll be gone by the end of the week, but I don't think it'll take that long. Did you buy it? No. Uh, are you a Grand Theft Auto fan? Isn't it not Xbox? It's uh, no, PS2? it's for no, it's for the three hundred and sixty. Oh. oh, unless it didn't come out at the same time. I know that they are making it for the three hundred and sixty. I'm almost positive because I think Seamus has it. And I think he only, I think in the 360 is his platform. Because um, Seamus, in fact, I know he did. Okay, I'll just reveal it. So Seamus sent me this message this morning saying, he's like, yeah, hey, I got to get to that Grand Theft Auto before work. Those whores won't run themselves over. was actually how he signed the message. So um, I'm pretty sure that it's for the PS and, and for uh, 360. Oh, mine's in the shop again. Another one. How many of your Xboxes have you had to send back? This is the third one. Dude, uh, maybe it's just you. Maybe you put off some sort of weird temporal distortion field or something. Yeah, it's dusty. So, uh, all right. So there, so there are five thousand copies here in Portland, and the rumors that are. What are you holding in your hand? Uh, things only a white man will say. Oh, really? Just, what was we'll the fra- What was the phrase you said yesterday? Uh, I don't know. You, we were ha- we were talking hey, about. Help you? I it was <laughs> hello, sir. It was it was. We were talking about uh, how that one girl you were t- talking to online was looking for a Caucasian man, and you made some reference to how you could speak like a white man. Oh. 
Uh, I don't remember. All right. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to do a few, uh, few more stories. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back in the next hour. Uh, we will bring you into your top five. Uh, and do you have that list, the 96 things that white people like? Yeah. White people are into? I have it here, too. Okay. We'll do that next hour as well. So. Okay. All right. Thank you. Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Tim Riley. Hillary Clinton will make her first visit to the no-spin zone. Sitting down with Fox News, Bill O'Reilly in a two-part interview to air Wednesday and Thursday. She'll meet with O'Reilly uh, tomorrow in South Bend, Indiana, where the two are expected to discuss a wide range of topics, both foreign and domestic. The appearance will be Clinton's first on the O'Reilly Factor, which airs on the Fox News Channel at 8 o'clock. It is interesting to note that she's going to do it, but Obama won't go on there, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is more of her trying to play the tough card, which is kind of the uh, kind of her best shot at this She'll point. obliterate him. By the way, this says, uh, Rick, you need to start copywriting names for that Austrian story now. There's a worldwide best-selling novel or made-for-TV uh, movie to be made out of the creepy basement Nazi guy. You need to start compiling a list of names for this story and copywriting them. Here are some suggestions. Oh, Let's right. do... You're a member of the Rangers Guild. I am indeed, Tim. Is it too soon? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of my suggestions. Baby Mama. Debasement in the basement. Mm. Maybe it's too soon. Maybe tomorrow. How I kidnapped, imprisoned, and committed incest with your mother. No, it's too soon. It's this very is, uh, too soon. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to read any more of these. That's very unfortunate. I, I... Last was this old house expanding your basement without your wife's knowledge edition. Done. Here's Tim Riley. I regret nothing. Well, it's time for John McCain to talk about his uh, health care reform plan. He detailed his proposals before a group of uh, researchers in Tampa, Florida. Okay, it's not going to play. And here's uh, John McCain detailing his health plan. Health care in America should be affordable by all, not just the wealthy. It should be available to all and not limited by where you work or how much you make. It should be fair to all, providing help where the need is greatest. Sounds like John McCain's throat is made out of bark. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, going to offer some tax credits, and that'll solve all our problems. It would help change the whole dynamic of the current system, putting individuals and families back in charge. No, no, the, the problem is people can't afford it, John. <laughs> That's what you don't understand. <laughs> I, it's too expensive. And the the companies pick and choose who they want, John. I, I don't, and it seems like, I mean, every time they say something, this really just underscores how out of touch they are. Mm-hmm. That they seem to think that Americans' biggest complaint about health care is that we can't pick our own doctor. Mm-hmm. They somehow see that that's really the issue we're all having. The issue is I want more control over my health care plan and my type of coverage. When really the issue is it's too goddamn expensive. Yeah. That's really it. And so... This is, but I think this is the same thing when McCain said uh, a few weeks ago that he felt like most Americans felt very positive about the economy. So you know, it, it must be nice to live in to live where John McCain lives. Mm-hmm. Well, Dancing with the Stars contender Christian De La Fuente is nursing an injured arm. The Chilean actor was hurt during his second performance on last night's episode of the ABC reality program. Just how he injured himself wasn't evident, but midway through his samba, it was obvious he was in pain, and the dancing was cut short. Host Tom Bergeron stepped onto the floor to check in on him. What happened, buddy? I pulled him up on his arm. Pulled him up on his arm. Okay. Oh, sorry. That's all right. That's no, I'm fine, I'm fine. You want to continue? You I tried to get going. No, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay. You want to get the judges? We can go to commercial. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. Okay. All right. Okay. So they went to a commercial, and he's apparently sore. Time for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for uh, 
What is today? Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Look, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Sergeant Lemon, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. J.K. Rowling and a publisher who wants to release an unauthorized lexicon to her Harry Potter novel. District Court judge said the copyright infringement case was a legal close call involving unresolved areas of American law and almost certain to end in years of appeals. Are you following me so far? Yes, yes, I am. In this case, uh, with imagination, it could be settled. The judge made a similar suggestion at the close of yesterday's court session. The lawyers on both sides have settled some sections of the suit, but appear to be resolved to continue the litigation. Lawyers for Rowling and Warner Brothers, which holds intellectual property rights to the Potter books and films, rested their case saying they believe they had proven that the Harry Potter lexicon uh, took too much copyrighted material from Rowling's work. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Hey, are we still on the air? Um, I'm not sure. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Let's, uh... All right, let's sound... We don't have any computers. All right, all right now, my now computer's back, back. Everything's right, back up. And I didn't here. lose anything. All right, so... All right, so you keep talking. I'm like, I'm going to listen. There was just a uh, okay. a bit of weirdness so there where the... Everything went out. Everything in that the room not, just went off. Did you feel like you were in a movie off. or something? The computers went off. Uh, now we know what it's like to live in a dark dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> too, too soon. <laughs> um, so wow, I what, just realized how really dark it can get in here. It is. It's extremely dark. What just happened uh, moments ago, okay, and we're still on the air. There was okay, a little click fine. there. Um, and what just happened is all the lights in here, all the computers, everything literally except for the phones just went off just now. Uh and we're still on the air. The transmitters okay. are still up. It looks like everything is is working. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it lightning or something? It must be. That must be it. It must. There must be weather. I don't know. He says that's some. Sure. Does be, not look I, happy. I see him running out of let, let me run out to the hallway and check. I'll be right back. Yeah. Why don't you? Do you want to run outside and see what's going on? Yes. I'm so afraid. All right. Uh, so Tim is gonna go. Gonna go see what happened there. Maybe it's the Cloverfield monster. Jesus. All right. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hey, I was just thinking. You know. This story really started 24 years ago. I don't think it's too soon. I was really enjoying the possible names for debasement in debasement. <laughs> I guess that's a fair point. Thank you. Could you could you, could you read some more, please? Um, I, I think I closed that, but maybe I'll come back later on. Thank you very much. Thank you. We should come up with some genius one, like um, like the Lifetime movies, like the Not Without well, My what would, I mean, I don't even that. know what they would... It does feel like it's too soon, but I don't even know what they would call it. I mean, I can't get past... And I know that they we're talking about this story that maybe a lot of you haven't read. You go to RickEmerson.com. I posted the link to this Austrian story. I can't get past this business of how the daughter has... What's, the, what's up? What's up? What do we know? It's a PGE-related problem, and we're on auxiliary power. Hello, we're on auxiliary power. It's that noisy thing outside, that clunky old thing. Did the generator fire up? Yeah, from the days of Mac. Awesome. All right. So uh, we are still on the air, but that was the weirdest thing is every single light and, and every bit computers. of power uh, went off. But, you know, the strange thing is it came, that generator. My board didn't go off. The, um, all the buttons that I had lit up, they were still all on. And the generator kicks ass because my computer screen back uh, came back, and I haven't lost a single thing. My settings on my computer, all my windows are still open. Mine is still dark. I'm sorry. Oh, you know why? Uh, is it turned off down there, maybe? I think it is, yes. All right. Uh, I'll get it for you. My goodness, thank you. Right. Sir, I still in the, is down on the floor. 
turning my computer back on. She's down on the floor asking for it. <laughs> on my hands and knees. On your hands and knees begging for it. Let me just... Should I come down there and help? Uh, did I get it? Yes, you did. Okay. Right, oh, now it went off again. Ouch. Oh, now it's back. Okay. Hang on. <laughs> now it's off again. Oh, now it's back. Okay. <laughs> my goodness. Or is it back? I guess so. All right. Because I can, you know... No, I, I, everything's fine. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so now what do we do? I have no idea. We, should, we need to Let's break take anyway. take a break. We'll come back. <laughs> I feel a little... Di- I will apologize to everybody. Don't I, I feel a little discombobulated I today. do, too. Well, all of a sudden, we're in this dark cave. We've always been in the dark cave, but at least we had lights down here. Well, plus you have, like, a broken-down car. Like, and in here, like, so many off-stream children. <laughs> um, so that's right. My truck broke today, and... Anyway, well, we'll do this. We'll come back. And by the way, whenever there's a power thing like that, don't you instinctively take your headphones off because you've heard stories about DJs being killed when lightning hits the tower? No, this is the no. first time I've heard I that. just did it when that when the power went off in here just now. I pulled my headphones off because everybody has heard the story in radio of like you know some guy that had it, that the, 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 like the power somehow like a lightning strike went through the mic or the headphones and like blew his brains out his nose or something. Take a break. Well, back after this, when we re- when we return, Richie speaks like a white man. Stay there. Something, but of course that's not going to be happening. Oh. All right. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio <laughs> Program. Do I seem cranky today? Yes. Do I really? Yeah. Why didn't you point that out earlier? Because sometimes How when you're cranky, then all of a sudden, no, you seem no. Right now, you seem cranky. No, I think you're I mean... hilarious right now because it's not directed at me. Okay. <laughs> no, you seem you just seem a little off. You seem like either your caffeine intake's too much or too little. Now for the whole show. No, no, just for now. Just, re- well, just think, right now with this Well, I think long. you were thrown off, thrown off, A, because you're in show mode, and then you see Lara in the hallway. B, after seeing Lara in the hallway, you find out that your car's broken uh, down. Yeah, it's been a bit of a day. It's just, it's just a little crazy day. Here's the weird things that have happened today. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I was, but, don't get me wrong, I love my wife, love seeing my wife, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it was just a little jarring to see her in the hallway earlier today. And, and it just kind of makes you, gives you the initial, like, oh, my God, what happened? Well, that's my thing. I'm like, who's dead? You know, that's whenever I see my wife during the program. She comes by and she's, she's like, hello. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? Who's dead? Is the dog dead? Is my mom dead? What happened? Are we, are we having our house burned down? And she's like, oh, the, and it wasn't any of those things, but she said, oh, the truck broke down. Oh, by the way, it's going to cost hundreds of dollars to fix. Also, I need your car. Goodbye. And so there's that. So now you're rendered carless. Then uh, we mentioned this Austrian th- thing, which was great, but it just sort of took over the whole show. And it's creepy and frustrating because there's no answers and all this crap about this nutcase Austrian bastard that we can't figure out. And how the F did he take one of the twins upstairs and the wife didn't even ask where it came? Where did this five-year-old jump from? <laughs> Nowhere. Thing is just... 
I mean, the kid, the daughter has you. twins. One of them dies. He gets rid of the body, takes the other one upstairs. When it's like four or five years old, apparently. To be fair, I think that he, the dad, did the same thing that he did with all the other ones. Just that he, it was dropped put, off. He put a note on it. Because what he had told the wife, supposedly, is that the daughter left to join a cult, right. and the cult didn't let ch- uh, her bring children, so she was just like shipping off her babies. Every well, she the, the, you know, I it's one of those things like with the presidential election where I say I want to get to. I already want it to be over so that I can read the recap of it. I already want this story just to be completely solved and figured out so that I can just read it because it apps with my brain. Uh, anyway, and so then just moments ago, the power went off. You heard us kind of go whoa ah on the air. Uh, so now all the lights are off. The, the, the studio, we are still up. We have a backup generator for the studio. Um, the lights are off in the kitchen. The, the, the bathrooms, by the way, are pitch dark. So just now, out of habit, what do I do during every break? Because I have a tiny bladder. I go to use the bathroom. I walk into the men's bathroom, pitch black, dark. And let me just be very clear about this. I'm not going to use a stand-up <laughs> urinal, unable to see anything. I mean, I'm scared to go in the bathroom. So I went into it's the pitch black. So I opened the door, and of course, after talking about this effed up Austrian dungeon sex story for like an hour, I go and I open the unisex bathroom. The unisex bathroom is also absolutely, totally, 100% pitch black, and by the way, has a locking steel door. So I walk inside the bathroom. Do we have some invisible sign in the know. studio today that says, "Please come stand outside and stare at us through the window"? I know I sound grumpy right now, but really, is there some sort of is there some sort of blinking invitation above the studio door right now that says, "Hey, what? Stop whatever you're doing. Don't be selling anything or preparing for your own program. Come stand outside the studio and stare at Sarah and I while we try to do a radio show." Let it all out, Rick. Jesus. <laughs> I do sound cranky. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be grumpy. It's just I'm just trying a... to think of something I can find to make you happy. <laughs> well, I'm going to have Richie come and talk like a white man in a second. <gasps> yes, that would make everybody anyway, but, happy. Anyway, so I go into to, to, to use the bathroom, and so I can't not use the bathroom. I see, and I'm holding it because I'm scared. I, like, I'm like, I'm 27 years old, and I'm scared to go into a scared pitch black bathroom. bathroom monster. So you know what I do? So I go into the unisex bathroom. I shut the door, and of course, and, and when I say it's dark in the bathroom, it's pitch freaking dark in there. And I deadbolt the door because that's how you have to do, but you don't know someone else to walk in. And then I'm feeling, but the door is so far away from the toilet. <laughs> the door is so far away from the toilet that I have to shut the door and deadbolt it. And then literally I am walking <laughs> in the dark just five minutes ago with my hands feeling for the toilet, which has no lid, right? Because it's for wheelchair folks. So it doesn't have a lid to lift up. It's just the seat. So, you know, wondering if I'm going to ram my shin into the toilet, if I'm going to fall and trip into the toilet, if I'm going to hit a wall. I find the toilet, and then I don't mean to be gross, but then you're sort of having to... I'll you're just, having to maneuver? I'll just say it. I sat down. <laughs> I sat down because... I was kind of wondering... I can't be standing you, up. Seriously. I know I mean, it's pitch black, but let me stand up while I do like my business. And a tiny sliver of light helping you. Like, no, we are in a dungeon. Goddamned pitch black in there. That's a ceiling door. That door seals shut like a mother effer. And so, and of course, and again, the door is so far from the toilet that I have to deadbolt it. And you can't have one hand on the deadbolt and with the other hand be finding the toilet. So I have to deadbolt the door and it's got to be big enough for a wheelchair. So it's a big bathroom. One person bathroom, but still it's big. So I have to walk from the door finding the bathroom and then yes let me just sit down like a woman and use the bathroom and 
you know, and then of course. And plus, if it's pitch black, you can't tell if like some maybe there's some messiness on the. That's the other thing. I can't because even with the door open, there's no light in the hallway. So let me be very clear about this. Even with the bathroom door open, standing in the hallway, the the bathroom itself is not illuminated. You can't see it. There could have been any number of things sitting on that toilet seat that I didn't notice until I sat down. Because what I'm not going to do is take my hands and like feel around on the toilet lid to see if there's like crap there. Mm. Uh, So. I just, literally. So yeah. as I sit down, I just have to sort of trust that the toilet seat is clean. That's a good feeling. So I sit down like a girl, do my business, get up, and then, of course, you know, I have to find my way to the door again. And so then I'm feeling my way along like a blind man. Of All course, right. you washed your hands, though. Before. Jesus, I did. I washed my hands. The, that, that must have been fun with the automatic soap dispenser. <laughs> trying to find the soap and the towels, and the, and then I, I come back into the studio, and, of course, the power's off upstairs. So any number of people who could be, oh, I don't know, out selling something outside where there's light and sun and power are instead just standing here lingering outside the studio door wanting to talk to us as though we're not busy doing a radio show. Anywho. All right. Do I you sound cranky? <laughs> All right. By the way, I should You're be very fine. I should be very clear that I'm not referring to Dave Zim with that last last comment. Dave can't be out selling. He's not a salesperson. Oh, Rick. Any number of salespeople could be out selling things right Whoever's now. Whoever's listening, this is Rick talking, not me. I'm just saying. <sighs> okay. What makes everything sunshinier? Um, you're asking me? Yeah. Uh, right here. Ew. Richie Bristol, how are you today? Hello, Rick. How are you? We need you to be that big ball of sunshine. Okay, that was fantastic. That was great. You need to see your therapist. <laughs> yeah, are you still in therapy? No. No, I'm not. I have a good therapist, and I am white. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the news bot. You kind of sound like a, like a Caucaso bot right now. A uh, bot. No, my shrink was a, my shrink was a big load, uh, so I told him to get bent. Anyway, what if you would not be able to keep shrinks? I had one, and I, I had her one that time. I loved. I had a shrink that I loved, uh, and she got out of the shrinking business. She now only does like couples weekend retreats. I remember, like Doctor Phil crap, which uh, you know, and I, you know, good for her. It's just uh, you know, I was going to like a one-on-one shrink, and she just no longer does it. She doesn't, do, and I told her, I'm like, I'm like, oh, what if I pay you more? Uh, and because you know how important it is to have a good. Sh- I do sound really white right now. You know how the right psychiatrist is really important. <laughs> Um, so I offered, I'm like, what if I pay you extra? And she's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm only doing couples retreats right now. I'm like, but I don't need that. I, I have personal craziness. <laughs> so she referred me to a guy who was just a waste, just a waste of air. Um, so. And there's nothing worse than when you're trying to express yourself and you can tell if the person just doesn't give a crap. Doesn't get it. Doesn't know yeah, doesn't what, what I need. Just the labeling and you're paying for it. You're mm-hmm. sitting there paying for it. Jesus. It's okay, dude. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. How is it that you compiled your list of things? This all goes back to yesterday, and we'll get some of these calls, uh, with women who are looking for Caucasian men, and your response was, I can talk like a Caucasian, Rick. Uh, So now is this based on your interaction with white people, or is this uh, just, like, how did you compile these white phrases? Yes, mostly by... Just from... I have white friends. (laughs) You have many friends that are white. You've had white people in your home, Richie. Yeah. Uh, All right, do do you have a list? 
I have a just a list list of what white men will say and won't or shouldn't say. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we will now. Are any of the things they shouldn't say horribly racist? What do you? No, what I'm do you think? To keep away from that. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three. It's we're going to do a little high concept topic early today. It's not high concept uh, Thursday. It is high concept Tuesday. Uh, so I'm sorry if I sounded cranky earlier. By the way. I think it's hilarious because it doesn't involve me. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just—it's just one thing after another today. It really is. It really one, is just one goddamn thing. Today is after one another. thing after another. I, I would say know. that. Jesus. All right. I woke um, up this morning kind of feeling like that too. Like I woke up and I instantly had the stress of the whole roast thing. You have the listener party stress, really? I, I feel better. Do. I wish I had just been. I wish I had vented earlier. I totally. Yeah. I I woke up this morning and I was thinking about it and I've been thinking about it all day and I'm like, how am I going to pull this off? Oh my God! It's in you know 16 days. Yeah. I don't know. I got. I kind of started to get cranky around one o'clock. I don't know why. I, just, I wish I. I wish I had sort of just been Sarah. You know, you and I have to have this. We do this every now and again where we sort of. One of us will be cranky, and we kind of forget that you're just supposed to like admit that you're cranky, and then you feel better. <laughs> but then sometimes it's that awkward thing about like, are you cranky? No, I'm absolutely no! fine. But you're making me cranky by asking, dude. <laughs> so it's not high concept Thursday, but it is high concept Tuesday. So uh, it is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. We are now looking for incredibly white things for Richie to say. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Incredibly uh, white things hmm. for Richie to say. Oh, Richie, what have you got so I far? I want some samples. Uh, I only eat organic food, and I am vegan. <laughs> totally. Yes. <laughs> I have lots of ba- black friends. The uh, or, Richie, or they, what are you doing? I live in a I live in a really diverse neighborhood. That's another thing you'll hear sometimes. The uh, no, 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 I live in a neighborhood. Oh, how about this one? Here's here's this all goes back to that website too. That's uh, things that white people like. How about this? Well, I currently live in Northeast Portland, and I think it's a lot more interesting than some of the other uh, neighborhoods in Portland. The uh, dude or the <laughs> dude. All right. Yes. Uh, size doesn't matter. Chirp chirp. Wait, why? I don't understand. Only white men say that. <laughs> why are white men saying that? Si- now, back up. Back up now. Okay. Eject. All right. Uh, <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's Wh- up? What's up? Hey, um, you know, you were talking about how you were having a bad day. Yes. Like, I could totally relate. About a week ago, I broke with my girlfriend, and I just got, a, got into work today, and I found out that uh, two of the guys I work with, we all broke up with our girlfriends, like, at the same day. Yeah. It's that's crazy. See, and so that's, you know, on the one hand, you know, you've got people with which, you know, with whom you can uh, commiserate. Uh, but on the, you know, but on the other hand, everybody is grumpy at the same time. Oh, it's lovely. It's like women in, a, in an apartment coordinating their periods or something. Oh, God. It's the worst <laughs> yeah. thing. And, and so my ex-girlfriend <laughs> is just spreading all this stuff about me and drinking with everybody. And I think she's gaining, like, 20 pounds. Well, good for so her. She's spreading stuff yeah, about you. Hey, she's happy about me. Is so. she drinking with? Is she drinking with a lot of people that you thought were your friends? Uh, probably. That's yeah. always the way it works. When you dump somebody, they immediately try to glom onto your friends so and you guys... make them into drinking buddies. What's that, sir? So I'm told. What? Oh no! So did you guys have like a big group of mutual friends, and then? Yeah, yeah, because because I met her at work, uh, and we were together like a year. Like I I got a I got a ring, and we were just like three weeks shy of our. Year anniversary, and we were going to go to the coast, and I was going to propose and everything. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Well, but okay, you know, then. then that, then I'm, I'm glad it's over now because now I know that she wasn't the one. So. Yeah, absolutely. That is such a good way to look at and it. And here's the thing, sir. As somebody once said, it's like a band aid. 
It hurts when you rip a Band-Aid off a hairy part of your body, but the alternative is to pluck one hair every day for the next three years, and that's no good. And plus, she never had the ring in her possession anyway, so you didn't have to have that awkward thing about give me a ring back, bitch, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Only you could say that. If I said that, I would sound hateful. Uh, by the way, and so, but uh, Rick Emerson, listener party 15, uh, 15. Uh, 11 is coming up uh, on the 15th, sir. What better place to find the next Mrs. You than at a Rick Emerson listener party? Exactly. I am totally stoked to be there. Yeah, yeah. there's all making out all the time at Rick Emerson listener parties. Yes. So yeah, they're... I was looking at some of the old pictures. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, and you see people getting together that you just really didn't you didn't see it coming. So what was the thing? With the... What's yeah. his name? Yes. Okay. Dude. Yesterday. No, no, no. This is a podcast. I'm, I'm still catching up. Yesterday I was listening to your podcast, dude, on my broadband internet connection. But you've got to stop saying dude. No, no. The girl, the girl went upstairs, and she was talking about uh, Ryan. Timmy Ryan. Sarah Wagner, yeah, yeah, Timmy yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's going on there? She wants more attention from Timmy Ryan, but is afraid to mm. ask him in person. Hmm. Will she be there? Is she cute and single? She is cute and single. Mm. It would be wrong of me to weigh but in. But she's also nobody's rebound, so you got to find another. another yeah, lady. yeah, that's the thing. She's not. Uh, yeah, she's not that type of girl. Uh, that being said, I do feel like. Don't you feel like we should have uh, Timmy Ryan and Sarah Wagner on the show together at some point to sort of, you know, sort of work out their gonna differences? Ease the sexual tension a little bit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Rick Emerson. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, take it easy, Rick. Bye now. Uh, you're on the you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Okay, Rick. Since you switched so many topics all of a sudden. I'll just skip to the Richie thing. If you have him say, um, Buffy, let's go to the country club. Now, see, but Buffy's one of those things that Buffy... What was that thing, the preppy handbook that came out of the 80s? It was Buffy and Chip. But something like, let's go to the golf club. Cool, dude. Let's go to the golf club. <laughs> Chip. And then uh, Austria, I barely knew her. Oh... They're just wrong, huh? Bye now. Bye. Okay. What other white phrases have you, Richie Bristol? Well, I wanted to go back to the, I only eat organic food and I am vegan. Because Tim's back. He doesn't get that one. Never mind. <laughs> uh, How dude, did you prep for this? I don't know. I just did you canvas your white friends and just sort of write down the things they said in conversation? Uh, no. All right. I don't have that many white friends. <laughs> <laughs> why would you? They're so hard to find here. Because <laughs> they're the devil, Richie. Uh, they say ownage. Own a lot. Ownage. You know, here's can I tell you, here's, here's a thing that white people do. White people do put strange suffixes on the ends of words. Like internet? Often in a, well, or I was going to say often in a corporate sense. Like signage. Uh, signage. They say that all the time here. Hey, we're going to go to that event. Are we going to have signage? Do you mean signs? Are you going to have signs? Yes, I signage. I never got the signage thing. Because it's a because it's a made-up word. It doesn't make any... What do you mean, signage? Just say, are you going to have signs? And that's exactly what people do in radio station lingo, too, because it's never signs. It's always like, did you get station signage? We're going to have lots of signage there. Are you really? That's great. Did you Have you had some thinkage about whether you're going to have it there at the event or not? That's wonderful. Uh, can I tell you this? There's somebody uh, that I won't say who. There's a an acquaintance of my wife's. And she actually... Is your favorite person forever? I'm not saying who it is. That would be wrong. That is so funny. By the way, there's several people now gathered staring at you us through the window. You deserve that. I... I think they've got the whole office standing in front of the window staring at us. Thanks so much. Rick you Emerson should go out and hug them, Rick. Hugs across Hi. the hallway. How you doing? Thanks. Bye now. Hey, dudes. Now, can I... I see Dennis and Lacey and Brian and... Um, but I will tell you this, that in addition to saying signage, my wife has an acquaintance who, when she is 
working on something or when they're getting ready to do a project at the at the place of a place of business, she'll say this. Well, we really want to be planful as we uh, as we proceed with planful? this. Planful. That sounds annoying. It's just because it's not a real word. It's just stupid. It's a. I think it's a way to make yourself sound smarter than you perhaps really are. All right, uh, let's do a couple more, and then we'll uh, visit the, the news desk with Tim Riley for some newsage. Newsage. Uh, things they won't say or shouldn't say. Uh, this is Richie Bristol's assessment, by the way, of things that white people don't say. <laughs> I think you made the whole office say. mad now. You better apologize. We've worked so hard to be friends with all these people. Well, their really? lights are out. That's why they're there. No, seriously, they would... I mean, I was, and by the way, I did specifically single out salespeople with that remark. So anybody else who's staring in the window that is not a salesperson is just a, they are taking that upon themselves for no reason. I think I was deliberately speaking to those who could be out to perhaps selling birthday greetings of some kind on the radio station or pre-roll on one of our many exciting podcasts. Okay. That's See, a, ba that's, that's that's a bad idea. This half of the list is a bad idea. Okay, I'll stop right. there. Thank you, Richie. Okay. Thanks. We'll have you back later on. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the bathroom dilemma, this guy says, you know, most camera phones have a flash that can be left on, and that could conceivably illuminate any sort of urination experience. It could even be kind of romantic. <laughs> There's a bathroom dilemma? Well, the, have you tried to use the bathroom? I haven't had to go. It's pitch black. Oh, no. It's absolutely the freaking pitch black in there. There is no way. Well, I can't speak for the ones upstairs. Uh, but the one uh, downstairs, they, they're absolutely black. The hallway is pitch black. The unisex bathroom is pitch black. And, of course, it makes it impossible to shut the door and then get to your toilet. So, all right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, we, well, we could ask some of the folks that hang around outside where they go. Do we need to break? We haven't taken the 20. All right, let's take a break. I'm going to play one of my happy songs for you. Okay. It's time for the 20. You're experiencing the 20. Break. Uh, all right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, have you news when we return? I guess I do. Fantastic. Uh, and then uh, we will uh, plunge on boldly uh, with news and so forth and whatnot. And hey, hey, until like, it's a three. Michael Mara show at seven. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Radio program. Okay. By the way, I just went upstairs. It's like it's like that episode of Mash upstairs where the power goes out and radar has to figure out how they operate, and so they bring in all the jeeps. So 
I just went up and clarified my comments with Dave's in. He was, he was fine with it all. But they, so Dave, he's so great. The first thing they, well, I don't know the first thing, one of the first things they did was to bust out a radio upstairs so they could continue listening to the show. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, the Beijing wind-up radio? They're all, uh... Dude, is it really hot in here? Yes. Yes. It is yes. really hot. You know why? Because the power of the air conditioning system is good, down. Good afternoon. Hi, Dave Zinn. Hi. Hey, how's everybody up there? Who all was in the immediate vicinity? I saw you, and I saw Cheryl, and I saw Bridget, who is our webmistress, and today is International uh, Webmaster Day. Who all was up there gathered around okay, the, uh, the campfire? Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically the sales assistants and the traffic department. Don, Delani, Cheryl, Rachel, me, Bridget. Really, I expected at one point guitars to come out, uh, come out and for rounds of Kumbaya to have begun. Yeah, we could uh, sing some acapella. There's, it, it really is, uh, it, it was sort of like equal parts like crisis and campfire up there. Yeah, it's an exciting day. We have enough free food from uh, Webmaster Day. Oh, that's right. It was today's National Webmaster Day, so they celebrated uh, by bringing in, a, it was like a bunch of ham, right? It was honey-baked ham, proud advertiser. Excellent. And uh, ham, turkey, roast beef, you yeah, name it. Fantastic. I'm headed up there after the show. Tim? Please come up. You can have mine. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. Thank you, Dave Zinn. good ham. Keep entertaining us in this dark time. All Thank right. you. All right. You know we love you, Dave Zinn. All right. There you go. That's Dave. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Sorry, a report. Shots have been fired at Southeast 172nd and Powell. Of course No injuries reported. Then medics were called this afternoon to Evergreen High School in the Cove after fireworks exploded. At least one person was burned. No word exactly how many victims or their condition. By the way, this email says, Anybody who finds Rick's disproportionate rage about the darkness interesting, raise your hands. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Say, how would you like to get your photo taken with John McCain when he comes here to the Sheridan Hotel Monday, May 12th? More than anything. It'll cost you $10,000. Oh, no. VIP reception, 2300 <laughs> I know. And if you just want to stand inside, $1,000. Okay, whatever. Well, it's rather disheartening that this Austrian thing has taken all the thunder away from America's own homegrown kids of polygamy. One of the hundreds of young polygamy sex like members. like a calendar. <laughs> Girls of polygamy. The uh, polygamy kids from Texas, one of them has given birth. While child welfare officials, state troopers, and fellow sect members stood outside the maternity ward. Uh, she's a teenager, and uh, the number of girls first listed as adults are reclassified as minors. Uh, they're unaware uh, just how many uh, these teens are pregnant right now, but plenty of them are. Would you say that these girls have sex appeal? I would say so, yes. It's just bad. Sex appeal. Hey, who wants to hear more suggested names for the made-for-TV movie about the Austrian guy? So we're going to stop that. Sure. Tim? Yes, yes. Tim, how about Dungeons and Daughters? Little House that is Scary. The Family in the Cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! Give me... You're laughing. I can see you laughing. I am not laughing. I had to sneeze. The Family in the Cupboard. I'm a newsman. <laughs> I am not allowed emotions. <laughs> You know, can I just tell you this? There was a time about an hour ago when I was just, as you may have noticed, feeling a little edgy about things. Having just had a complete, like an explosion and meltdown breakdown. of disproportionate rage, I feel fine again. I could do another five hours now. Yeah, we don't worry about you at all. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> we know you'll work. It'll just, work we'll, we'll, we'll just sit here while events unfold. Yeah, and just, we'll, we'll just roll with what happens. Just as the show is sort of winding down, I feel like I could do another six hours right about now. As long as Richie doesn't come in and start making more hideously inappropriate racial comments. Also, we should so warm. We should note that the the air conditioning isn't working either. But uh, so it's beginning. It's beginning to be very, very hot and dark. Actually, I bet it's a lot hotter upstairs. Sarah, did you just use the bathroom with a flashlight? Yes. 
I'm scared. I was totally scared. And then I realized um, when I was in the facilities that I forgot to check the stall next to me. I'm like, what if somebody's hiding in there, like standing on the toilet, and I didn't even realize it. And then I'm starting to panic, and and then I ran out of the bathroom. Well, I washed my hands, like, really quickly, and then I went to my Apparently, apartment. it's the whole block. The whole block powers off. We have a backup generator here, which Brian says is good for several days. So that's good to know for when the uh, the zombies come. But we could, I guess, run like How this for three or How do we know it's not the zombies? Days. All we know is what they're telling us. That is true. All we know is what the government chooses to give us in yeah. terms of information. Here's Tim Riley. And we just continue to spread the rumors. Yep. We really don't know. Now or care. No. The truth matters not a whit to us. Nope. All right. Well, that's it for now. Really? Well, yeah. I'm just getting into the swing of things. Okay, Rick. <sighs> I wish I could go back and have the meltdown at the beginning of the program. Was there a meltdown today? Things would have got... Were you not here? Oh, you were out of the room. Oh, you missed it. Oh, I had a little bit of a, a little bit of an episode about 20 minutes ago. Oh. Yeah, nice. and lucky for me, I never get to leave. It's part of my it's part of my, <laughs> it's part of my uh, it's part of my charm, Sarah. Well, I had to go reset the computer in the newsroom. Uh, no, you yeah. missed it. I think that it was better that you were gone, Tim. You didn't you wouldn't want to hear the full mental breakdown. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Tim. All right. Well, it probably wouldn't phase me. Well, what are we doing now? It's all, all up to you. You're the host of the program. It's true. You said you want to do another five hours. Do another five minutes. Got an open road in front of us. Well, just sit here and listen. I have no idea. I have all these things in front of me, but we have no real... things to discuss. We have no real time to to, to spend on any of them. You have 15 minutes. That is true. I didn't play the syphilis song. I want to hear the syphilis song. Do you really? Tim, do you want to hear the syphilis song? I think all America wants to hear the syphilis song. (laughs) All right, let me find the syphilis song. Uh, This is courtesy of, uh, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with some phone calls. This is courtesy of Aaron Durant. He sent this to us. Uh, And this came as a disposable record, and a 78 at that, Um, a disposable flexi-disc record. Did you ever get a flexi-disc record in anything? Is that that little rubber thing? Yeah, well, it was like a little record made out of uh, just like real thin plastic. They used to come in cereal boxes. Exactly. I I have at home uh, a Sugar Bears record from the Sugar Smack cereal, and it was the Sugar Bear singing a song called You Are the One, and I, I transferred it to MP3 at one point. Uh, this is a Western song that apparently came inside a, a an, issue, an issue of a cowboy comic book. The comic book was called... Um, Western suspense, and it was drawn by a guy named Harvey Kurtzman. And comic, uh, comics fan knows that he was. Comics fans, <laughs> comic fans know that he was one of the guys at Easy Comics, which created the the Crypt Keeper and so forth. This is a song by Tom Glazer, who's the same guy who wrote "On Top of Spaghetti." This is called "That Ignorant Ignorant Cowboy." The best part, by the way, is they don't mention syphilis until the very end, so you'd be unclear as to what they're talking about. An ignorant cowboy went out on a spree, and oh, what an ignorant cowhand was he. He had a few drinks, and his head was a whirl, and he ended up in the arms of a girl called Katie. That ignorant cowboy, that ignorant, ignorant cowboy. Now that cowboy was awfully handsome, they say, as I'm sure he could tell from his mirror each day. But many weeks later, one morning he saw a rash on his face and he cried with a roar. What is it? That ignorant cowboy, that ignorant, ignorant cowboy. That cowboy was worried and fretted and frowned And he went to his medicine chest and he found Some wonderful tonic that must have been hot Supposed to be good for whatever you got And he took it That ignorant cowboy That ignorant, ignorant cowboy Safe sex was sort of different then cowboy each morning he washed at the sink And then came one morning when what do you 
think the spots on his face, they had all gone away. He looked and he shouted, Ty, yippee, Ty, yay, I'm cured. That ignorant cowboy, that ignorant, ignorant cowboy. That handsome young cowboy was happy once more Cause nobody ever had told him the score But the germ that had got him was still there inside Cause this is a treacherous germ that will hide inside and This is kind of a creepy song and ignorant, ignorant Almost like they're singing cowboy. about communists now, partners, it surely is sorrowful, strange to think of that cowboy a-riding the range, not knowing someday he'll be surely struck down by the germ that he caught when he went up to town on a spree. That on a spree. On the range isn't likely to find Much use for a cowboy Who's dead, lame, or blind So if you've known Katie Please listen to this Only a doctor can cure syphilis Don't be <laughs> An ignorant cowboy An ignorant, ignorant cowboy An ignorant cowboy An ignorant, ignorant Snacky smores. I'm not going to use I'm starting to get like it's interrupting my sleep in the middle of the night. I, well, you know, the thing is not to be Real all about anxiety. like. Well, and I gotta. It's not like I have like a tough life or anything, but I but I gotta. Uh, the thing about me is, you know, there's the roast happening. There's the nine, ten roast or something like that. Uh, we'll introduce the final couple roasters this Friday, um, and then I got to back cleanup. You know, I got that whole thing at the end where I got to try, I got to try to address everybody who's gone before me uh, in like five minutes. Oh so, yeah. So I am. In I five minutes, you're telling all of us we have to do five to seven minutes. You're doing seven minutes. I have. Well, I haven't even. I mean, I've got sort of like half. I looked at my roasting notes last night, and I just. Um, and I guess we really ought to be talking more about this. The party's only really two weeks away. I know, yeah. Um, I, I looked at my roasting notes last night, and I have just little half, like, fragments of jokes. I have little pieces of jokes that might be funny eventually. That's me. That's, but yeah. I don't know. Like, it's it's like I'm in the right direction, but I don't really know how to deliver it. And plus, I'm not like a stand-up, like, hey, look at that Rick Emerson. Boy, is he fat. But I'm, you know, I'm like, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you know, but there's certain comedians who And can... then I'm fearing because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to look at me, and it's all the pressure. It's like, oh, my God. I was told Sarah would be funny. Oh, God. <laughs> I was... I was told there'd be jokes in this roast. What's Sarah doing? So uh, thanks, Rick. Thanks. I'm just, I'm, you know what it is, Sarah. I'm externalizing your fears. That's I'm getting them out there, so you can just. Actually, that's good. I think you should do that. So you know, what is it? you know, the, the thing is, look at it this way: every other person's under the same pressure. Carl yes. Click, Corey, Storm, and I were boy. talking between multiple bottles of wine, and we were, and she was uh, equally as nervous. Storm didn't want to do it at all. Storm was like, I don't want to be me, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So. Uh, you know, and, and Aaron and Scott and uh, Byron, and I'll guarantee you right now, by the way, I don't know, but I'll guarantee you Byron hasn't even started writing his, or Peter Carlin. I bet if you were to go to Peter Carlin's yeah, house right writers. now, I suppose, but I mean, but you know I mean, Byron's just going to make a lot of crude 
jokes about your penis. And... Rick Emerson, I want to have sex with him. Like, I wish, I'm so excited for people to actually see Byron in his element on there because we hear everything that Byron says, but he is so edited for radio he... that you don't even get to, like, you'll get to see him for what he is. And the things that he says to Rick, holy God. Really, do you so... know? Oh, you mean in the studio? No, oh, it... no. The, the things that Byron says during commercial breaks. Like, even the things that he mouths to Rick while he's, uh, like, just... During the break, that last thing that he did? Yeah. Oh, oh I know. And and if you read uh, his column, uh, Queer Window, uh, in with Alamut Week, uh, he, you know, he's not very edited there, and it's still very tame compared to the real. So this is the great thing about the roast is, this is why we keep telling people, you really got to go there and see it in person. You really got to be there. Uh, because it's just, it wouldn't be the same were we to sort of excerpt it, play it back, put it on, you know, whatever, like have a recording of it. I mean, that's just, for, it's just not really logistically feasible. It's not really uh, plausible that we could do that. And we don't really ever do that anyway. We've never really taped any listener party sort of in the past. So, But you really do have to go there and sort of experience it uh, firsthand. But um, And plus, the um, you know what the, the crap thing about recording it anyway would be is that if we're ever going to play it on the air, like all the good stuff would, would have, have to be edited, edited out down. anyway. That's another good point. Because, and I don't mean to sound like and you a, don't want to give like a product that's, you know, only like 50% decent. That's the other thing. And I was, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick about it, but it's like people who are, I can't believe you're not going to be taping the rolls and playing it back. But it's, but there's, you're right. It would just be, there would be no point. I mean, it's going to be so unfiltered and uncensored and kind of raw. There would be no point to playing it back on the air. I think maybe that's the largest issue at stake. It's I not just so. the logistics and not just the whatever. Well, because we don't like to do anything half-assed anyway. Yeah, I mean, it would and that's be, what it would be. It would be half-assed. It would be like watching Showgirls on NBC. There would just be no real point and to it at all. And listener parties are fun because we have to like keep ourselves so edited, like day to day. Like I love just being able to lash out and like just a spew of profanity. It is the place where everybody sort of lets everything kind of go. So uh, listener party eleven, uh, which is happening Thursday, May fifteenth, eight p.m. The Crystal Ballroom. Feed Featuring uh, the Rick Emerson Roast, Roastmaster Carl Click, roasters to include Peter Carlin, Byron Beck, Storm Large, Sarah Dillon, Aaron Duran, uh, Scott Daly, uh, and others to be announced. Uh, music by Nickel Arcade and Emerson Starship, uh, plus, uh, you know, surprises, happenings, fun, frivolity, etc. So that's all coming up. I am excited to see Nickel Arcade and all that stuff. And hear everybody else. I just don't want to do it. Like, I just want to kind of get mine over with so that I can relax and enjoy everybody else. Totally. Yeah. I'm not even, and I don't really even know the order of the roasters. That's a thing that, uh, you know, it's going to, that, that's the other thing is uh, we have some folks who are doing script coordinating for us, and that's the thing they're going to have to decide is who roasts in what order, because obviously, like, I can't be... That's the, It's weird for me, too, because I know that the roast is being prepared, and normally you know how I'm such a freaking control nut about mm-hmm. listener parties, but the weird thing about the roast is I don't have any input because it's not a thing that I can see. I can't hear the jokes beforehand. So it's going to be a surprise to me as well. Oh we'll all find out at the same time. So the listeners and I will uh, will uh, see everything unfold simultaneously. All right. We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, and uh, I guess that was it. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and unflappable Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the Newsroom. Uh, Tim Riley and the phone's Richie Bristol. The gatekeeper is the intrepid Dave Zinn. Webmistress on National Webmaster Day is Bridget from upstairs. CBS Radio Marketing Guru Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. See you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Don't let the bastards grind you down. I'm huge. Bye.